Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 190 of the 22 Shots and Moods and Horror Podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, the podcast Hunter G, the toxic offender, the ill-mented funky child, also known as Moods. Yeah. And of course, I have my dos 22 bullets in the house with me. First up, we have the boy that has spent all week contemplating life because all the family videos are closing down for good. Ellen Degenerate, also known as Jeremy the Jew. And last up, we have the official, unofficial, part-time, full-time host of this podcast. The still-hating Canadian motherfucker he always is. The penis prowler, Mr. Parker, also known as Dave. What's going on, guys? I think you forgot one of the most uh, important things in the intro. JP's not that here. That 87 rider has made a return <laughs> to YouTube comments. Oh, I actually thought you were going to say that JP's not here. Um, of oh. course, from the intro, you guys know JP's not here this week because he totally bitched out and, and said, yep. quote, unquote, as you, you guys can't see me right now, but I'm doing the finger thing, saying that he has to work. And that's only because I know for a fucking fact that he does not want to review these anime films tonight. Yeah, he bails out on musicals and anime. Yep. Like, what the hell? Yep. Just like I'm going to bail out on that Paranormal Activity show because I have to work. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. God, I was thinking about doing the exact same thing myself. No, you I, can't. I already bailed out. No, I, I'll definitely, I'll, um, I'll take one for the team on that one. I'm just, I, I honestly got to say that's probably oh, the show I'm What happened if looking... you like them more than you, than you think? Well... I don't know if that's going to happen because from what I remember from the first one, I, I actually really loathed it. I mean, it was years ago. I saw it when it first came out. What was the year it came out? 2007? Oh, seven. 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 So, you know, it was 13 years ago. I mean, definitely things have changed, but there's so many of them. And what is it? We got to review eight of them. Yeah. So that that's a lot of paranormal activity films. I, I assume it's going to get very redundant. And I just, just, I'm just curious to see if there's like continuity and all that stuff. Because I've only seen the first one, too. So. I heard the Mark ones is pretty good. I heard that there is a little bit of continuity, but who knows? We really don't know until we dive yeah. into those. But, I mean, that's not coming up for a little bit. So, yeah, I think it might just be... Oh, actually, who's, who else is on that Lucy show? Lucy Liu. Lacey Liu. Oh, Lacey's on that show. Okay, so it'll be JP. Oh, that's four. Okay. It's good um, to have somebody that's got to like them, though, because I think she's a fan of those movies. Or she yeah. wouldn't want to be on the show otherwise. I, I mean, I just, I don't think I'd have any valuable input. I'd just be like, I don't like it. It's stupid. <laughs> I, feel like, I, mean? I feel like I'm going to be that party crasher, too. It's like, this is fucking dumb. Jeez. Well, why don't they just leave the house? I don't like ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, it's not a ghost. It's a possession. Yeah. Ah! Oh, man. Um, But yeah, Jeremy bringing up, uh, yeah, the return of Matt 87 Rider. So I didn't even realize for the people that, you know, have followed my channel for years and years and and other people's YouTube channels, uh, you might be familiar with the the channel name. This guy's like the ultimate troll. He's the OG troll. Like this guy has just trolled everybody. Like he's very much known in the in the horror community as a troll who actually made videos. So there was a face to the name and the troll. It was very odd. This he was one of a kind, kind of, but brutal. He would say the most brutal things to people. Anyways, haven't really heard the name in a long time. And of course, I get this comment a couple weeks ago, and I actually posted on the Facebook group, uh, group page. And it said something on the lines of, uh, I hope this guy's gone forever, um, douchebag, or fucking, uh, what do they call Arrogant douchebag nozzle. And I was like, okay, whatever. I mean, I, I accept all his comments. It's not a big deal. Anyway, so I clicked on the name, and I was like, oh, this motherfucker has two videos. So I clicked on it, and I was like, it is Matt87Rider. And he looks like he gained 100 pounds, and he's doing the weirdest fucking shit, man, in his videos. I'm like, this guy's Peter in the flesh. Yep. Like, this is another Peter... But the fact of the matter is this dude's back still trolling us. Unbelievable. 
I love yeah, the crazy. fact that this guy is back still doing this. It just gives us something to talk about. It it makes everybody laugh and shit. And it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's really, really amazing. Dude, yeah, because he's like 10 years time. old. It's like, it's crazy. Dude, this guy was officially probably the first like kind of known troll to me on Dude. YouTube. I started YouTube in 2012. And within three, four months, I was getting troll comments from this guy. And I was like, who the fuck is this? And anyways, I'm like baffled that this dude actually made videos i'm like holy shit crazy but yeah eight years later and this guy is still doing it i'm like he must he must really want my cock you know he's still coming around that's crazy so remember the south american guy that used to leave comments i don't remember i I just blocked that guy because he was always a prick he'd always leave comments like like you'd review pumpkin head or something like pumpkin head's barely average yeah yeah i've had i think i know exactly you're talking about i remember seeing his comments on your videos and he used to comment on mine every once in a while too and i blocked him yeah and then uh the best, the best troll of all time, who actually became better, like he's actually cool now, was Lev Nemkin. Remember Lev Nemkin? Oh my God, yeah, <laughs> he's the best. Yeah. Lev Nemkin was actually the best though. Like he was the funnest. Yeah, I mean, there's some trolls that leave some pretty funny comments, but then I've had trolls in the past have said like just the most hilarious shit ever, and then they leave a legit comment one day. I'm like, hey man, great review, it was awesome, and then I'm, I'm like, really, that's it. <laughs> And then they'll go back to being a total dick. And I'm like, man, you fucking suck. Your opinion sucks. And I'm like, dude, okay. Right. And then they'll go back to saying a nice comment. I'm like, these, these trolls are so fucked in the head, man. But you got to love them. You absolutely got to love the trolls. I mean, it, it keeps me motivated. It keeps the fire in my asshole, you know, when I'm not shitting it out. Especially but, when they keep coming back, you know? Yeah. I don't really care anymore. I, I never really did because, I mean, there's a lot of, we've talked about this before on YouTube. And there's a lot of YouTubers that quit YouTube because they couldn't handle the just bullshit, you know, negative comments and stuff and the trolls. And I'm like, guys, who cares? I mean, you gotta go to work today. Why do you care about the fucking trolls? Right. I mean, it's just a name on a fucking screen. I mean, there's no face to it. They're not even real people. You're putting yourself out there and you're a real person. They're just, <laughs> people are going to do this shit. They're going to say the most ruthless bullshit because they're keyboard warriors and shit. And, you know, you learn at a very young, you know, in my YouTube career, you know, quote unquote, um, yeah. that not to take that shit serious. You, you just don't, I will fuck with trolls. I will respond and just get into arguments with them because it's fucking hilarious to me. I love doing it, but at the end of the day, I'm not offended. I don't care if someone calls me every name in the book. It doesn't matter. In fact, I mean, if I cared, why would I post it? Why would I talk about it? You know? And yeah, I just say cool or something. I'm like, cool. Or thanks for the great input or something real fucking stupid. Right. Right. <laughs> just, just get real. Kill the kindness. With them. Or just say K after they write like three paragraphs. K. A lot of times I will just, I'll just respond with LOL. And it's some of the trolls get so pissed. They're just like, really? You're just going to laugh. And then, then they'll respond with something even worse. And I'm just like, ha ha ha. And they'll just keep going. Right. Fucking just, I just say it. too long. Didn't read. <laughs> that's the best right that's awesome or people do you bad bro (laughs) with a question mark you space r mad bro dude and then then leave it with a period after i'm notorious for doing that you mad bro i love that meme of cameron with you mad right that shit just cracks me up man but yeah if i could post memes on youtube comments i would all day it would just be that would I mean, be I understand if, if, if I'm being rude and say something out of the line on a movie and somebody calls me out like, hey, man, you should know. I'm like, I understand. I, I'm not above critique or criticism. Like, I'm, I'm talking about other people's shit. They can talk about me, too. They're like, man, you need to fix your lighting or you need to do this. I'll be like, thank you. You're probably yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, like, that's that's just that's critical. You know, that's, that's constructive criticism. And, you know, that's perfectly fine and stuff. But the, the most annoying thing with 
when you make a video, at least for myself, is people will be like, oh, man, this list is all wrong, man. You have this one yeah. at the wrong number. And I'm like, guys, I always tell people, and sometimes I even leave it in the description. I'm like, guys, I don't make best of lists or top lists. I make favorite lists. This is just how I like the films. They're prob- If I was to rank them from best to worst, it would be ranked totally different. Lists would be totally different. But people just don't understand that. And it's like you get all those comments like, man this list is fucking horrible. This movie should be at number 10 and this should be number one. I'm like, guys, I just don't well, like even like see that. it on the 91 show already. It's like, people are like, oh, why isn't this on your list? And yeah. it's like, is well, there who posted that? Because we obviously didn't like it as much. And I mean, I, I thought, see it. I thought that we were like going to get a little bit more shit over the sounds of the lambs, but I think we kind of explained yeah. it away. It's like, you know, I think most of us kind of agree that it's probably the best film of 91, but you know, you know, you know, for me liking it, more than others no it just it doesn't fit there so um i, I can't speak for dave obviously well, but 91 is a year that like I, there's a lot of movies i like and I, I rate fairly high but it's not like an 85 where there's like top fives and tens it's of like yeah. lots of classics there. there's yeah. no classics really yeah. and and that's Silence a thing. is a classic and that's, yeah, a thing. But that's like, it yeah i don't hold it into my heart like day of the dead or eternally dead or demons or something yeah and i'm the same way with those movies too it's like but I mean, I think a lot of people kind of get it twisted a little bit. You know, they think Iranians are just kind of, you know, cemented in stone, cemented in stone. What the fuck? Anyways, um, double cement, double cemented, you know, uh, solidified, you know, they're bonafide ratings. These end of all ratings kind of thing. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we've kind of all agreed that at least me and Dave have that a lot of our ratings are based on subjectivity and objectivity. You know, it kind of balances itself out. And, you know, if you were just going one or the other, the rating would be different. If I was just going oh, straight yeah, objectivity, yeah. you know, these movies would be, you know, a different rating than the subject. I mean, so I kind of try to balance it out a little bit. And like a lot of people just base their ratings on entertainment value. I try to focus on a little bit of shit and what the film is. Like when I'm watching shot on video, I literally have a totally different rating scale for shot on video films because they're made oh, yeah. on no budget. You can't compare in which I don't like to compare movies anyways with ratings, but at the end of the day, you can't take this film and go, oh, this is, you know, I, I can't put it in the same class as like The Resurrected, you know, over fucking yeah. Wicked City. It just doesn't make sense to do that because this movie's worth $5 and this was like a $3 million movie. Like, so Somebody be mad that I'm putting Redneck Zombies at an eight and a half or something. Yeah. Like, uh, and then I'll put... Well, movies put fucking like Samurai Cop at a 10 out of 10. And that's, so. solely, <laughs> based, that's solely based on entertainment value. Honestly, if I was objectively reviewing that, that's probably like a three out of 10. And, but, you know, entertainment value, that shit makes me laugh through the whole movie. It's so fucking stupid. I love it. It's just so much fun. Did you guys even watch it? No. No. What, Samurai Cop? I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, It's ridiculous. I I still have never seen the the sequel. I need to check out the sequel someday. I feel like the sequel is going to be one of those movies made like 20 years too late where everybody making it's in on the joke now and they're like trying to placate to it and it's not funny. Like that Birdemic 2. And that's pretty much exactly what happened with that movie too because it was made all those years later. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, you know, uh, it's kind of like Deadly Prey. Like, Deadly Prey is legitimately one of my favorite low-budget action films of all time. I can watch it shit all day. It's so much fucking... Deadliest Prey, right? And, and I still haven't... E- I'm, I haven't brought myself to watch it. And I own the Blu-ray. I've had it for a long time. I've never seen it because I'm so scared to watch it. And it's not... It's because it's, it's, it's not going to ruin the first one for me. It's just because I no. love the first movie so much. I think it's legitimately one of the funnest action films. It's so ridiculous. It's this great low-budget Rambo type. Oh, it's great. It's fucking is awesome. It like, is it like Return of Newcomb High Volume 2 ruined Return of Newcomb High Volume 1? It didn't ruin it. It didn't ruin it, but I, I will say it just feels like all the clippings from the first one were made into the second one. Like, it just feels like nothing but leftovers and... 
That's how all their sequels feel, though. Troma's like, we got one great movie. We're going to split it up and make two okay movies. I mean, for myself, I, at least I got to watch it in a pretty interesting environment. I was at uh, uh, Horcon a couple years back, and um, they were actually doing a show in there. And of course, I'd waited, what, six years for this? Because, you know, the first part was one of my favorite movies, was my favorite film of the year. It came out officially. And so I've been waiting, waiting, sitting on this. And, you know, I was definitely disappointed by it. I enjoyed it for what it was, but at least I got to see with like other people and it was kind of a cool environment. I was drinking beer the whole time and it was great. So, so that kind of made it uh, a little bit more enjoyable, but oddly enough, I still haven't copped the, uh, the Blu-ray because trauma shit is impossible to get in Canada now. It's ridiculous. I don't know. What's what was up that? Uh, you tra- dropped tra- out for a second. Oh, trauma stuff is really hard to get in Canada. Really? It, it was uh, it was expensive at first, and then it dropped down to like twelve ninety nine, and I just bought it. Really? Fuck! I need to find somewhere to get it for cheap. I think yeah, you can only get it on their website, it. right? Yeah, but you <laughs> know, the shipping is nonsense. The Troma website, man, they legitimately char- charge like twenty five bucks for one Blu ray to Canada. It's it's just not worth it. So. The shipping to Canada is not as much as they say it is. It actually isn't because I have a few no. people that sell me stuff and, and ship up here all the time. And like, I'll look at the shipping prices on it and it's like five bucks. It's like nine bucks. Yeah, it's like five to ten bucks. Yeah. And so Unless these places, are, pretty much everybody's charging like 15 to 25, you know, so they're making money off it. But who's fucking paying $25 for one movie? It's like ridiculous. But yeah, you got to order it. Like Kaufman. Yeah, I was I was very disappointed with. um. Oh, what's the. uh What's the store down in Tampa? Uh, Grindhouse. Grindhouse Video. When they first opened, man, their shipping to Canada was phenomenal. It was like five, seven bucks, whatever. I was buying a bunch of shit from there. And then then it went up a little bit. And then it went up again. And then it went up. And now it's like, it's just through the roof, obviously, with the COVID stuff. But even before that, I stopped um, buying from there because it just just wasn't affordable anymore. Right? Yeah. Unfortunate, but uh, that's the way it goes. Diabolic did the same thing. They're, they're shipping. I started buying from Diabolic, I think, about... must have been 2011, maybe, is when I first started. It was before I got on YouTube. And, um, yeah, man, like, their shipping was phenomenal. And, you know, it's obviously had to go up, you know, over the years and stuff. But it's it's gotten to the point where it's... I think it's $18 for the first Blu-ray. So, Fuck. Yeah, so... It's it, even worth it. it. It's not. And this is my thing I love about Vinegar Syndrome because they actually ship out of Canada. And so, you know, obviously over a certain amount, it's free shipping, but they have a, fi- a $10 flat for whatever you're buying. Yeah, And um, so obviously with the new package, it was like $130 or whatever, it got free shipping, but they charge $10 and it comes in like three days. It's great. And also they have a bunch of other shit too that they sell that's not just Vinegar Syndrome now. Yeah, I know. I noticed that they're, did they acquire and they're they're putting out all the uh, the AGFA titles now. Yeah, they they don't actually they just put them. They just out. buy they them. Actually, they just buy like the yeah. stock and no, not not uh no not a uh, they actually AGFA. They actually are the ones who are distributing them, but oh, they yeah. don't like it. They're not included in the deal, and neither is Fun City. That's another label they have under there. Yeah, I noticed that because I copped the I, I put the the new package, the October package, which I will say is phenomenal, like amazing Cemetery Terror. I'm like, what the fuck. Um, but, um, I looked down and I was like, oh, they got some other titles that are included in this. I'm like, whatever, I'll just wait for the, maybe they'll be on sale come Black Friday. I don't know. But I noticed because some of the titles that they've been releasing, like McPherson tapes and shit, um, I don't know. Were they widely, uh, are they selling in other retail stores? I mean, they'll sell on Amazon, I believe. Yeah. Amazon. Okay. I didn't see them right away, but yeah. Okay. 
but it's probably a couple weeks later, kind of like how Vinegar Syndrome puts their stuff out first, and then eventually it goes yeah. through Amazon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I love that line. The Afghov line is is great. It's got some really weird titles, and it's one of those funky ass lines. If you if you're like me, who organizes his movies by company. So I, that that line have, is very odd because it goes Blu-ray, Blu-ray, DVD, Blu-ray, Blu-ray, DVD, Blu-ray. And so it's like up and down. It's like it's so but, annoying. But. but now they're putting out shit uh, that's uh, SOV on Blu-ray. And I don't know if the special features are in HD, but it's to me, it's really hard to fork over $25 for a SOV on Blu-ray. I just well, can't do it. That's partly the reason why I never, you know, supported the, the uh, Sabrosa uh, shot on video Blu-ray releases that were like $30, $35 because – I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, exactly the same frame of mind you're in. I'm like, why would I pay $30 for a movie that shouldn't be on Blu-ray? You're paying just to have the better disc. It's not well, I like, It's not PQ at this point at all. You're just no. overpaying for the disc. I bought some, but I don't anymore. I mean, I, I, get, I wait for the DVDs. I just I, buy them in DVD. Exactly. All shot on video is like perfect on DVD well, and stuff. I like, I like what Olive did on their releases. Their shot on video releases. <sighs> they were it. like... It says there's a disclaimer on the back. Disclaimer: Man Killers is presented using the best available elements provided by Slasher Video, not sourced from an HD master, remaster from PAL Beta SP, mm-hmm. and up converted to Blu-ray and DVD specifications. No. So at least they're telling you it's not going to look good. Well, yeah, I mean you know on the Agfa ones too. But I think anybody that actually knows film and you know what film can be restored and what can't be, I mean you should just know that. I mean anything shot on video. Yeah, you if you're buying you weird shit like fucking those movies, you you should know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody's I, buying victims, but I'm like, I can't wait for this <laughs> mass, HD master of victims or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think at this point, I mean, I mean, if they were really cheap, I wouldn't mind getting the Blu-ray disc just to have because I mean, let's face it, the, yeah. the Blu-ray disc is better than a DVD just for scratch value. I mean, it's not like I'm playing frisbee with my shit, but you never know something might happen, right? Yeah, Blu-ray discs are just a better quality disc. I mean, if it's only a two dollar so, difference, I'm going to get the Blu-ray yeah, for sure, and that's where I'm if looking it's at. Fifteen dollars, no fucking way. But I can never get over the the Sabrosa Blu-rays. You know, they limit them to like a hundred or fifty or whatever, and those things would sell out in like three minutes. And I'm like, people are forking over thirty five dollars for a fucking shitty ass Polonia Brothers that movie that's like thirty eight minutes long. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> I never bought a. I don't know if I've seen any Polonia Brothers movies. I had to see a couple. I think I saw Slaughter Farm. Oh, you've definitely S- seen Splatter um, Farm. You've Splatter definitely Farm. seen Splatter. Oh, you probably. I mean, honestly, man. The Polony Brothers have done so many and movies. And one of those Camp Blood movies they did. They did one of those, and it was awful. Yeah, the earlier stuff is good, man, like Splatter Farm and, uh, you know, some of the stuff that Camp released and shit was pretty decent. But, I mean, it's definitely not everyone's cup of tea. I'm pretty sure Jeremy doesn't care. <laughs> I no, Splatter, I do not care. Splatter Farm DVD is cut, too. It's a different cut. Yeah, it is. It is. Don't different. ever do that. Don't fucking release a classic old movie that people remember fondly and then we're partnering out our own cut. No one gives a fuck anymore. Put both cuts on there. Right, right. No one gives a fuck. They don't. The 10 people that have seen this movie don't need improvements on it. Just fucking, unless you have to do it because somebody has the rights, don't bother cutting it. It's true. Like, really, it's a fucking, like, shot on video film. Like, why are you putting on a different cut of this shit, man? Like, <laughs> they're like, I just, my vision was, was really hurt, so I cut a lot of stuff out. Like, I understand improving it. Like, well, this digital effect was absolute dog shit. Like, the Tempe stuff will do, where they're like, well, yeah, the yeah. credits were really bad here, and I remastered it anyways, and they just didn't fit anymore, so I changed the credits. Like, I don't, no, no big deal. It looks better. But some of the shit, I'm like, why are you cutting out, like, 10 minutes of this movie? 
Oh, man, can you imagine just sitting on this for 20 years waiting for like a director's cut of like the shitty ass shot on video film? <laughs> like this is the marketing ploy behind it. it's like, oh, new, newly remastered the director's uncut of this fucking shitty shot on video film. Technology to release redneck zombies as the way it was supposed to be. Now, this <laughs> is the real <laughs> 25 minutes edited footage, all the music cut out. Man, I would watch a director's cut of uh, Beauty Queen Butcher if they cut out probably 90 minutes of it. It would be fantastic. Well, what about a director's cut of uh, Alien Beast? Come on, Dave. You know you want to watch oh, that. Oh, God. I don't even want to watch Alien Beast. No. You watched it for me. I don't have to watch Alien it. Alien Beast is horrible. It's it's atrocious. It's not as the bad as... The whole thing is a director's cut. It's not as bad as Science Craze, though. Science Craze might even be one of the worst movies ever made. Like Derek said at least it had a story, though. It doesn't, though. It actually <laughs> doesn't. It's so fu- It's like, it's all convoluted in what you're seeing anyways. I, I don't understand how you say, oh, it's a good story. No, there's not. He didn't say good story. He said it had a story. That's all he said. I mean, that's highly fucking debatable right now. I, I feel like <laughs> the story's so convoluted that there really isn't a story. It's stupid. It's fucking dumb. But it's, it's just like, even for a movie shot on video, it's really bad. Right, like even the quality's lesser I than a lot of other shot on videos. Like, it's it's horrible. It's just unbelievably fucking terrible. And you know, going back to you know Dave hating on Canadian cinema, there you go. That's a ba- that's a prime example of some shit easy, you should be man. hating on. They make it easy. It, yeah, I mean, if I it weren't for Cronenberg and William Fruit, I don't know what you guys would do. Well, I mean, honestly, I mean the movie. Yeah, my one, bloody Valentine. One of the and, movies that we're viewing Clark, tonight, um, the Reflecting Skin. Um, that's Canadian. It, it's a UK director, but the movie was done in Canada. It was actually shot in Alberta. So, yeah. I mean, it was done... Eh, Lightbreed was shot in Canada, too, wasn't it? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Well, it has Cronenberg's in it, so it probably is. Yeah, I think it was, actually. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah, I was, you know, watching it. Well, we'll get to that review anyways, but... Uh, a lot of Canadian um, tuxedos in Nightbreed, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. <laughs> I feel like everybody's wearing flannel or jean jackets in Nightbreed. <laughs> Product of the times, really, right? Shit. Yeah, 1990. 1990, man. Yeah. Oh, man. So um, I wanted to ask you guys, how is your 2020 watches shaping up? Because we are almost nine months into the year, and I'm yeah. I'm, I'm still pretty much with you guys on the like it's gaggable, man. Like I'm yeah, trying I'm about fifty. I'm at fifty. I'm about. reaching out, and I'm watching. Like I'm. I think at this rate, I'll probably hit 100. I, that, I I'm going to get 100, and that's it. Yeah, and then, you know, I've been watching. I watched, like, eight or nine this week and stuff, and I'm just, it's all hit and miss, but nothing is sticking out, man. I still need to watch a bunch of the ones that are on Shutter and other streaming yeah. sites and stuff, but I'll get to them. But uh, for now, I'm just like, what is going on with this year, man? It's just a lot of, like, okay. So this is what I watched this week. I watched Hashtag Live. Which, I didn't like that. Which Would I watched that. I didn't was like it. I was blown away by this movie, not in a good way, because it's literally a remake of the French movie The Night uh, Eats the World. That came I found out. it boring. The zombie one? Yeah, I it, like that zombie one. Yeah, well, that one came out last year, I believe. It was 2019. Is that where he's in the apartment or something? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this movie Fun is, movie. is the movie. same story. It's about a guy that wakes up and, you know, fucking chaos outside, and he's stuck in his apartment, and he finds Are they some, zombies? Yes. Yeah, there's zombies outside. It's literally... A remake. It's like a, a Korean. Well, that's hashtag alive. That's what it's called. The Korean one. Yeah. yeah. So this is like I, a I, Korean remake it. of the French movie. I don't know if it's an official, but it's literally the same movie. It's literally the same movie. So I was like, what the fuck? But I just didn't really find it. I mean, the third act in, this, like in hashtag alive was horrible. Right. The third yeah. act was terrible. Um, 
I watched the babysitter killer queen. I kept hearing from people it was good. It was absolutely atrocious. Most people I heard say it sucked. Oh, it was fucking. I don't ter- think it's atrocious, but it's not as good as the first one. Dude, this oh first God. one was great. Yeah, the first one is just it's this one's such a different movie. They try for me, it was too long, but they tried too hard in this. They they got so silly at points with the narrative and what they were doing and shit. It just it got ridiculous, man. I, I didn't find it fun at all. Um, Scare Package. I watched that anthology film. I thought it was really fun. Really good gore in it. Um, you know, kind of tells a story set in a in a movie store and shit. I thought it was actually pretty fun. Uh, the Beach House. You guys check out that one. Nah, I was gonna. It's basically. I want to though. It's on my list. You know, I, I got about. Well, once the shit starts going down, I'm like, man, I've seen this movie even recently. It's it's you know it's uh, Lovecraft's uh, The Color of Space essentially with an okay. ocean. It's kind of the same storyline. I mean, this mo- this movie's been done lots. Curse. Uh, this goes on and on. It's Down kinda, by it, the beach boy. Yeah. So it's, it's basically like, you know, the shit that's coming out of the ocean, but it's essentially the same kind of narrative. Um, I, I finally got around to watching that host movie on shutter. That's great. The, the, um, yeah, the kind of the short though, show. right? Yeah, yeah. It's like 56 minutes. Yeah. I was, I, like sho- it. I was shocked how fucking short it was, but it was, it was actually pretty good, you know, for what yeah, it was it's really good. Uh, amulet. I checked out, didn't care for it at all. And that one, look right up my alley too by the cover and the description i was like i'm gonna love amulet that and relic relic looks like i'll like it dude i know i thought it sounded really good too i it's honestly it's honestly boring as shit like Uh. really fucking boring like i I was like man i don't even like to use that adjective to describe movies but this one i don't know what else to say it actually was legitimately boring um the deeper you dig i know this one came out a couple years ago some people had seen it before um i didn't care for it at all i thought it got really goofy in the third act like just didn't care for it at all and i watched the honeymoon phase last night um this one actually sounded right in my alley because it's basically about um a bunch of couples that are sent to this facility and a research facility on you know kind of marriage and it's about this doctor that wants to figure out why couples can't stay in the honeymoon phase their entire lives kind of thing it's pretty standard man i mean it was pretty good and then again the third act sucked donkey dicks i don't know what third act bad the year of the bad third act i don't know but did you see impertigore or whatever it is called uh no not yet it's on my list like i said it's you know, a good I was, one i was just kind of a good one i was just kind of beating around the bush checking out shit that came to my mind and stuff but again i'll get to this shit so you know like my thoughts in years i i mean if the year ended right now I mean, it's pretty shitty. <laughs> I would not feel good at all. And I know I've mentioned this before, but this was a few months ago doing a top 10 list because honestly, like the 10 films that would make that list right now, I just, it would not be great. Starting it's again like, at a seven. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what? The Lodge, Invisible Man. Um, what else has been good? VFW. VFW. Color yes. Space. See, Color VFW, space. VFW is one of my favorites. Vivarian. I love that movie. Vivarian, yeah. Um, Golden Glove's pretty good. Golden Glove was, man, that was that was quite the watch. Disgusting, though. Butt Boy. I loved Butt Boy. Why don't you just Boy, die? Why don't you just one. die is cool. I think Butt yeah. Boy is actually one of the most unique films I've seen in a long time. That one has but a, a really... a lot of these are like horror barely horror like why don't you just die and butt boy and and i like horse girl and swallow and those are barely horror movies too yeah see i didn't like either one of those and i know i i seem to be like on the outskirts of swallow but i thought the movie was really intriguing again until the third act i thought the third act just went haywire like i, I, I just the third act. i didn't i didn't like it at all uh but vivarium and um uh butt boy are two of the most unique films of the year <laughs> But boy, it's so stupid. Oh, oh, you guys got to watch Uncle Peckerhead. Yeah, I, know. I know it sounds really dumb. That one's on but my that is really fun. It, it, like how I was watching porno 
last night, and I, I did not care for it very much. It just you, you wasn't funny, and you don't I like, didn't like the characters, and I was bored. But Uncle Peckerhead, it was funny, and I did like the characters. Yeah. See, I, I, I like porno. I actually thought it was pretty cool, man. I like the, the kind of the movie inside the movie and stuff. And I do get where you're coming from with the characters and stuff for sure. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I always have this kind of soft spot for these these stupid, naive kind of, you know, um, oh. I guess, uh, religious type characters that just don't know better. I don't know. It always cracks me up. But Derek gave also, it a nine out of ten. Shocker. It was, it was also like, man, you this movie like acts like it has balls. Like, yeah, you showed a dick on screen, but it had no balls. It's just like yeah. it's like that movie Cuties, which was pretty decent. But they're like, oh, we can't kill any of our characters because we want to franchise this. It's like kill some of these motherfuckers, man. No one gives a fuck. You ain't having four movies after this. Kill some of these motherfuckers. I feel like there's no stakes. That's the wrong way of doing movies these days, man. You should never make a movie with having a franchise in mind because the shit yeah. turns out like that. It's just it feels like it's you're cutting that film short. Just do what you need to do and then think of a fucking plan if you want to expand this into something else but don't cut that movie short and then put out a fucking half-ass product it's like i get exactly what you're saying man it's like, so much even that bullshit. dream warriors like think about that you wouldn't expect those characters to die and freddie kills a bunch of the characters even after they get powers right right and then four kind of fucks it up by just killing all the rest in the first five minutes oh man i know I want to know if Amityville Fibrator is any good. That's all I want. I've seen it. It's Nathan Rumler's movie. Is it any good? Uh, It's SOV and it's really dirty. Like sleazy sleazy for me, man. Like (laughs) open butthole shoving vibrators up there. <laughs> so I'm you not even kidding. so you said you're <laughs> you said you're up at fifty watches already. That's pretty good. Around fifty, but I had a couple from last year that qualifies this year, like five, six. Yeah, I like probably final interview and power bomb and shit. Yeah, I think I oh I still need to see the final interview, man. That's definitely something I need to check out. But um, I, I probably watched a couple films last year that I probably shouldn't have for nineteen and probably two thousand twenty releases yeah. right because they were you know film yeah, festival type shit. shit that always happens I, I i do that every year i always watch a couple ahead of time like i did i think i watched dark knight last i did watch dark knight last year and it officially got released this year which What's is that one uh, it's just okay i, I think oh, we reviewed it on fresh cuts actually did you see dark red no that one's worth checking out hmm. cool yeah i didn't even know about that one well acted well acted dark red's well acted cool Jeremy, what have you uh, like? Have you watched lots of films uh, this year? I've watched twenty five. Well, that's pretty good. Not bad. And the other lamb's pretty decent, if you ask me. Like VFW, The Grudge is shitty. Uh, Grenzel, Gretel and Hansel was interesting. Has good that cinematography. Was, it was good. It, it was worth watching. It was a good looking movie. Colorado Space, you know, the turning is shit. Uh, oh, the turning is horrible. That's a fucking underwater, right? Platform. I think a lot of people, a lot of a lot of people liked it more than I did, but I still think it was pretty good. Which one? Uh the platform on Netflix. Oh yeah, no, I have. I still need to check that one out. Underwater, interesting. I liked creature it. Feature. I liked it. The Lodge. The, the ending's great in Underwater. Mm-hmm. The Lodge. I love that movie. Uh, the Invisible Man. Amazing. Uh, Fantasy Island better than I expected it to be. It's still not good, but it's, it was better than I thought it would be. Uh, Train to Busan, The New Mutants. What else? Train to Busan. Peninsula. Yeah. Peninsula. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, what else? Hmm. Extraordinary. It's pretty okay. Is that that British one? Yeah. Oh no, Irish. Okay. Yeah, I started watching that. I got a screener and. The accents are so thick, and they didn't have subtitles. I did, I was just like, man, I my, my left ear, I'm like 25% deaf, not more. I'm, I can't hear this. 
Blood Quantum, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, Quantum I, I really enjoyed Blood Quantum. I really enjoyed Blood Quantum because there's a lot of Canadian social commentary there that a lot of people, we talked about this on Fresh Cuts, actually. We kind of broke it all down and stuff. It was kind of cool, actually, because we, uh, Heather was on that show and she's Canadian also. So um, there is, it, it just, yeah, it packs a lot of punch for us. Isn't it weird that I didn't like that and it's Canadian? <laughs> I didn't it is weird it because honestly, most people, the opening's great. Most people have actually, I, I get it. I, I, again, I can see where you're coming from with the characters and stuff, but. Um, not all, but what's just teenage did. angst bullshit. It's just eye roll and everybody turn, everybody survives. So they're smart enough to survive for years. And then they all turn like fucking morons in like three minutes. Like we're not going to even check this person. We're going to let them into the camp and not even check them. The fuck out oh, of no, here. Yeah. Th- there was definitely those things we actually talked about on the, on the show. Ugh. There definitely was moments in the film, like, you know, with, you know, the ending with the father and you know, things like that. And, you know, I mean, there's moments like that are kind of cliche and stuff, but I think overall the commentary in it packs enough punch. And it, w- it was interesting to me that it was uh, that that movie was actually done. So that, that was kind of great cool. special effects, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't hate it. Hate it. I gave it like a three out of five. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Why didn't you just die? That was really, really good. Hashtag alive. I didn't like it. Uh, you see fit. Fivarium. Fivarium. Interesting, really good. Uh, I watched Spree today. That was fucking awesome. I really liked that one. That was really good. And uh, The Host, which is awesome. You guys see Random Act of Violence? Yeah, I thought it was was average. Okay. There's another movie called Random Act of Violence? Like, how many is there now? It's directed by Jay Bouchel. Oh, really? All the other fucking... Canadian. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I like Jay Varshell, man. He's fun. He's fun. Yeah, man. but he's Canadian. I think he he was in the first um, Goon movie, and then he directed the second one. I like his character in those movies. It's funny. And uh, that's it. But you know, average stuff, I suppose. I know. It's just one. It, that's what I feel like this year is right now. Uh, I'm hoping that some more heavy hitters, maybe some more good indie stuff comes out. Relic's uh, supposed to be good. Relic sounds yeah. like. Yeah, I got Relic pretty much on deck to watch. So, um, but the final interview, the new Fred Vogel movie, is something I've been wanting to check out since I since he announced it. Really, I mean, it's Fred Vogel, and it's completely not what he's done before. So, oh, Slaughterhouse Slumber Party, I love Dustin's movie. Nice. nice. That's not for everybody, though. I mean, I heard some people give it reviews, and I was just like, really? So that qualifies as a twenty film? Yeah. Cool. It was only uh, released to Indiegogo's in 2019. Okay. I wasn't sure. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, The Other Lamb is another one I got on deck. I want to check that one out. Um, I, I liked it. It's slow at points, but it's really well shot. Yeah. Sputnik was another one that sounded kind of interesting. Um, yeah. I had that one, but I couldn't find subtitles. <laughs> See, with The Vast of Night, that was another one I thought looked kind of cool. But... Yeah, a lot of films to check out, but nothing just overpoweringly, you know, inviting, I guess. It's one of those odd years, but I guess that's what we kind of expect when the whole world goes to shit, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, some 2020 talk. Um, You guys got anything else? Jeremy, do you have any house cleaning stuff, Uh, podcast info that that maybe JP mentioned to you? I never, I never uh, say this stuff because I just don't keep track of it as well as you guys do. So, you want to like announce some future episodes or something so people know what's going on? Or, um, yeah, what do we got coming up next week? 
All right, next week we have King Kong 33 versus King Kong 05. Yes, and I can already hear people screaming, why not 76 and why not 05? Yeah. I don't know. That's the way it was picked. It was That's the way it was picked. 33 and 05. And I'm like, what the fuck? No, 76? And I'm like, I I think originally we just thought we'd just do that. And then we're like, no, we got to get all these bonus reviews done. So, yeah. We all know which one's the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not 05. Yeah, well, I mean, cause... even on 76, it's just like, it's laughable to compare, compare those three movies. They're not even any, none of those movies are the same. No, no. Then we got Wizard of Gore, OG versus Remake. Next hate week. Ursula Gordon Lewis. See, I will say, okay, we, we, we have to say that these are Patreon pick shows. So yeah. just in case people are wondering why these are shows that we're doing. But yeah, no, we honestly don't. I, th- I would say our show is almost 100% Patreon now, to be honest. I, I, I want to see the original, the remake of uh, Wizard of Gore because the concept's decent, and I actually don't hate that one by Herschel Gordon-Lewis. I bet the remake's better with Crispin Glover. Uh, the remake is pretty good. Yeah, Crispin Glover definitely plays the character quite well in it, yeah. for sure. I mean, like he always Instead does. Instead of what? Carl Seeger was the guy in the original? Uh, can't I can't remember. remember. Yeah. Or Ray, Se- Ray Seeger. I don't know. I remember he was just like a PA or helping Herschel Gordon-Lewis, and he gave him the role or something. Mm-hmm. I, you know, for for being such a lover of horror, I can't believe that you're not a fan of Herschel Gordon-Lewis. It's just, it it doesn't, it doesn't obviously There's only me. one godfather of Gordon. His name is Lucio Fulci. I do agree with that. But, uh, I, I do like 2000 Maniacs. I love that one. Yeah, it's definitely and, uh, better than that shitty remake. Ugh. I'm going to have to watch that for 2005. I just watched it again. It was garbage. <laughs> I bet I like it. It's uh, trashy. And then last sneak peek after that, we have Paranormal Activity, which we already talked about. And that so, was featured. Do we have any guests on the Herschel Gordon-Lewis? Wizard nope. of Gort? No? Okay. So Lacey Lou's on the Paranormal Activity. We do have, like, I think we might have mentioned last week, but we do have a lineup all the way to, like, January. So there's a lot, a yeah. lot of shows coming here. Um, a lot of good stuff. So we do have our Halloween extravaganza show. There's going to be a Christmas show. Obviously, beginning of January is going to be the top 10 of 2020, which I just want to get over with. <laughs> At this point, I just want to get that fucking thing over with. But I really, Episode 200. Episode 200, which I don't know if we've Surprise. announced what it is. But um, yeah, there's a couple really big shows coming up. A lot of franchise shows and a lot of interesting kind of all over the show or play shows. And of course... November, which is reserved for Italian Horror Month, which is only four weeks in this one. Last year, we got lucky or unlucky, as Jeremy would say. And we had an extra week, so we did five Italian shows. But this year, we got four. I believe we have three of the four shows picked. I'm not sure. Oh, if... they're all picked. Oh, they're all. Oh, yeah, they are. They are all picked. You're right. So the lineups have been um, worked out, and I'm looking forward to that as usual. So I don't remember who you picked, Moods. I picked Lucio Cozy. Luigi Cozy? Did I say Lucio? Yeah, Luigi Cozy. Uh, I wasn't correcting you. I was just complaining. Well, the, re- <laughs> no, the, the reason, the, I mean, we've done a lot of directors, and the reason why... We've done, like, everybody. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wanted to pick him because he offered up three kind of different, you know, have a Giallo yeah. in there, you know, Contamination, which is obviously an alien ripoff, yeah. and then <laughs> Pagnini Horror. Like, they're, they're three different type of films, and, um, yeah. So. What's, his, what's his Paganini Horror, Contamination, what's number three? The Killer Must Kill Again. The Killer Must Kill Again, which I have actually never seen. I've never seen, seen that one. Yeah, I've never seen it either because I know Mondo Macabro put out the DVD I, years I and years DVD. ago. I have it. And I never, I fucking never bought it. And then, of course, you know, like we all know, old yeah. Mondo DVDs go for ridiculous money. 
and they never yeah. re-release their stuff. And Might as well wait for a Blu-ray. Right? Yeah. It'll happen. Well, you know, okay, so we've discussed this before on the show about Mono Macabro and their titles that they've obtained and released over the years. Why is that nobody ever re-releases their stuff and, and or them releasing their out-of-print stuff? Because if they still have the rights, which I'm assuming they do since no one else has bought up the uh, rights and released a lot it. of these titles, why are none of these, these titles, like, like all that Bollywood stuff, you know, yeah. all those things that, that they released. Releases. There's so many old Mondo releases I wish I had picked up back in the day because they used to be on Amazon Prime, you know, on Amazon for, you know, but they were always like 20 bucks. I'm like, I'm not paying fucking $20 for DVD this bullshit, which I should have because now those shits go for like hundreds of dollars. But, oh, yeah. my, but especially the, there's a bunch of that I would have picked up that yeah, I did. I know. And like, I just kind of sat on them forever and all of a sudden they were gone. And then that was it. But my, my question is, why has none of those titles been re-released by either Mondo or another company? Because let's face it, in the movie industry, once a title goes out of print, you know, say you Screen Factory, all these titles that are going out of print, someone's going to pick up all these titles and re-release them Scorpion next year. or some shit. Yeah, so it's going to happen. But why not the Mondo titles? And it's so infuriating because you look at I their back the catalog. Asian titles are harder to deal with, like Indonesia and stuff. I just don't think they have an in on those. Or they don't have elements. But it's literally like, like the every... Philippines. There's the elements are hard to find because the, sure. the climate they were stored in is is fucked, and it's just humidity, man. I, a lot of those movies are probably lost. Alucarda's elements are gone for Christ's sakes, and Alucarda's a classic. Yeah, yeah, I, I, maybe it is, but it just it's odd that like almost all their titles have not been re released. I mean, I was probably saying ninety five percent of them. It's really they odd. They got some interesting stuff too, like Living Doll and mm-hmm. all sorts of weird shit. That I would, was pretty I, good. I'm lucky enough to have a copy of Living Doll, which is I got that one. You know, it's kind of like necromantic in a sense. You know, a little, a little bit different, a little bit more tame, and it's yeah. got um, who is it? Eartha Kitt's in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, they just have so many titles in that catalog that are so cool, man. Like I, the Bollywood stuff, I. That shit just bugs the shit out of me. I don't own. Yeah, I want that Bollywood Freddy Krueger movie. Yeah, man. I didn't buy any of those Bollywood sets. The three sets or two sets, I didn't buy them. Yeah, there, was, there might have been three volumes, I think. There might have been. I'm not sure. But yeah, those those are just like eluding my collection. And uh, Dangerous dangerous Seductress, too, is another one I wish I had. Yep. I know. I got Lady Terminator, but I don't got Dangerous Seductress. Man, I missed out on Lady Terminator, too. That's stupid, but yeah. They have some of their DVDs on their site sometimes still. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I go there every once in a while, which is, they're actually close to me because they ship out of Seattle, which is just like a hop, skip, and a nice. jump from where I live. So it's it's nice if I do buy from Mondo. Um, it, it comes pretty quick, which is nice. I think they're the most underrated label. Yeah, they've released some major, major obscure shit that really cool things. You know, it's not just obscure for the sake of releasing it, but they release some pretty good obscure things, which is awesome. So, yeah, I mean, like every other label, they've released a plethora of, uh, you know, Franco films, right? Like everybody's every- released 10 Franco films. Severin's got to be the king now, right? I know, man. It's so many labels of just, oh, fuck, dude. Like, I literally own over 75 Franco films, and there's still I a bunch out too. there that I haven't I've picked. I've seen, like, 20 Jess Franco movies. Yeah. Like, there's a couple Severin ones I haven't picked up, and they, it just seems like every year there's a couple more that come out, and I'm like, my God, like, fucking Franco movies, man. Jess Franco, I like him. Like, I, I love Just Franco. I love the interviews with him. I yep. like him. But a lot of his movies, not for me. Like, I said, it's an acquired fucking taste. Well, he, you know, he went through different stages in his career. His yeah. early part in his career, I thought his movies were legitimately good. He had higher like budgets. Like, Jesus and Furs is fantastic. Yeah, man. Like, the early gothic kind of things that he was doing and stuff. But then, you know, late 60s, it's early budgets, 70s, hit, and it budgets. got, like, it got porno. He started making fucking, <laughs> you know, just sleaze movies and stuff. And, you know, he, he kind of went back to it. Stuff. Yeah, he went back to it kind of in the 80s a little bit. You know, he made some some decent kind of 
you know, off slashers Bloody and things. Bloody Moon's good. Yeah. Yeah, so there's some good ones, but but yeah, um yeah, with the Franco talk. But uh yeah, I guess we should probably move this along, right guys? Um All right. And uh yeah, let's get into some news, Jeremy. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Alright, gonna try my best. I'm not JP at this shit, so I'm gonna try. So this was posted today on Rude Morgue. There was an interview with Don May Jr. of Synapse giving an update of Kindred and Massacre at Central High and some of the other uh, releases that Finnegar Syndrome has, not Finnegar Syndrome, uh, Synapse has coming up. Um, let's see what is the status of Kindred uh, he says that's been going on for years there were issues that had to be taken of, taken care of with the film owners first that came up after we announced it all those years ago over the time those took to resolve I realized that the masters we had were no longer up to par because they have been done years before so when we got the green light to continue I decided to redo everything from scratch then COVID happened and the labs we work with are still closed. A lot of people in the restoration industry are not working, so it's taken a little longer. We were just we're just kind of waiting it out and finishing up a couple of other projects and hopefully in another month or so we'll be able to get the materials that we need and continue with the kindred. So I know that's one that's people have been wanting. Yeah, that's those that's those director's best fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah, I still rock in my VHS of the Kindred. Can't wait for that release too, because what a too. what a great company to release that movie, you know. Yeah. Rudd Steiger, mm-hmm. mad scientist. Yeah, it's just taken way too long for a movie like the Kindred to get. It's you know it's due, but yeah, I think it'll yeah. I think it'll do well too. Like when that hits, because it's a crazy monster movie. I'm hoping so, man, because it it seems to be one of those movies that where if you watch videos or see top ten most wanted movies on Blu-ray that never had a decent release, that one seems to be on a lot of damn lists. So, yeah. Uh, where is Massacre at Central High at this point? Uh, we're getting everything finished right now. I posted a little sneak peek on my Instagram recently just to let everyone know we're still plugging along. Understandably, people are like, oh, it's been years. But again, Synapse does not release something until I feel it's fucking done. I don't want to yeah. put out something just to put it out if I don't feel I've done the best work I could do on it. The problem with Massacre was fairly similar to the one we've had with Tenebrae. We got the Masters for that, and there was all this baked-in garbage from a poorly done restoration process that we had to go back in and fix. It was a fairly similar situation with Massacre at Central High. We got the files and had no control over the master. We didn't scan it and we didn't supervise it. And on the surface, it was like, this is pretty good. But then I started seeing things, buttons, details, etc. disappearing and reappearing from frame to frame. And I actually fired two restoration companies that took a crack at fixing it. They made things <laughs> worse instead of better in some cases. Then we finally found a third company, which also handled Ma- Manchester Morgue for us. And they did a great job. So Massacre has taken a while but it's coming so there's that yeah that's that's, a, that's the hathers prequel right there yeah that's a great movie that that one made your top 10 of 76 yep yep you have to that's yeah very movie. very underrated movie man yeah yeah kimberly Seen peck kimberly Ever peck's titties DVD? man it's awesome she has some nice titties mm-hmm. 
what can you tell us about the deadly spawn? We scanned the negative, the A B roll, and it's messy. We oh, put the finally. DVD out years ago, but when you're dealing with DVD resolution, you don't see as much. A lot of the fine dirt and problems inherent in the materials don't show up until you scan it at a higher resolution mm-hmm. with better equipment. So we scanned Deadly Spawn in 4K, and we were like, uh-oh, this is a real mess. I sent <laughs> no it again shit. I sent it again to two different restoration houses. They sent me samples back, and again, I was upset with both of them. Then we found the company that had Manchester Morgue, and I was happy with them. We had to pull the 4K data from the other two places and send it to India, and then COVID, which India is still being affected by even today. So I guess that's where the remaster is being done. Uh, I talked to Spawn producer Ted Boas recently, and he's trying to find the original dialogue, music, and effect tracks so we can do a brand new mix. What I'd also like to do with Deadly Spawn is create new four DCPs and put it back out there if and when theaters reopen. Man, that is such good news. I remember back in the day, Dave, you actually did a DVD Blu-ray comparison on your channel. They just oh. took the Blu-ray and lightened it up. It, it, everybody's yeah. like, it's the worst-looking Blu-ray ever. And maybe my, my TV wasn't up to snuff back then. But I was like, I mean, that DVD now I, it looks better, but it's not the worst Blu-ray ever. No, the, you know? the DVD looks fine, but that's a movie that I'm super, super stoked for. But, man, you got to give Synapse credit, man. The quality control that they have is second to none. I mean, yeah, yeah. Vinegar Syndrome is pretty much up there, too. I mean, they do a great job with their quality control, too. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, we can't. It's definitely not like Screen Factor. Every second release has to be recalled or something. But <laughs> the, the thing is, with these uh, these movies from other countries, like like he just said, he had no control over the Tenebrae scan. So, like, they the, in Italy, they don't, like, send their prints out and their masters to be scanned by other people. They do it in-house, charge you, and then send it to you, and you get what you fucking get. Yeah. And that's why they took forever to, to fix up uh, Suspiria they fix it up themselves it, that's why people are like it's like dude that's what they got that's why people are like severin oh man fucking eating alive looks rough no shit eating alive looks fucking rough because they probably scanned it over in fucking italy and sent them what they got and they tried to fix it and it's just a crummy old fucking print of a fucking italian cannibal movie what, what, yeah. you guys aren't gonna get fucking liquid <clears throat> sky or some shit off eating alive yeah, and it just depends on the prints that they're using too because you got a movie like wild beast which was an italian <laughs> film that severin released and that transfer looks crazy right yeah. so you get, get what you get. You get what you I get. bet those jungle movies aren't going to be fucking well. I don't know. I, I can't. No, imagine dude, those, those movies were always shot on shitty film stock and fucking. They're grainy as hell. To start Probably with, rotting so. as fucking wherever they <laughs> shot it at. Of course, of course. Fucking yeah. bugs and shit inside the canisters of film. But I won't lie though, man. When I watch a movie like Eaten Alive and I see all that grain, you know, you watch any of those type of cannibal fucking yeah, whatever yeah. but you know having that type of look to it just adds to the feel like i personally i know that's kind of cliche to say and people are like oh really fuck it. i want a crystal clear thing and i'm like that's fine but i don't mind it i want it to look the best it can possibly look mm-hmm. but i don't but, like to to reduce too much noise and you no, know no, what no. i mean like when people are like i like to watch it on vhs i'm i know no we all know VHS sucks dick. Well, I mean, yeah. That's not for, the way the filmmakers wanted you to see it, unless it was like fucking August Underground, all right? And <laughs> people are always like, oh, VHS is the best. I'm like, actually, dude, you're watching that shit in full screen. It's not the best. Because all the, most it's of these- box screen, bro. They're shot it's in true, wide screen. screen. They're not it's meant to be fucking in 4.3. You know, they're meant to be in 69 no. kind of thing or whatever the widescreen ratio may Pan be. Pan and scan, bro. That's where it's at. Pan and scan. Right? I, I just feel fuck like it's- up nostalgia taking over brain activity at that point like <laughs> fuck just because you watched it on vhs when you were 12 doesn't mean it's better it means you watched it when on vhs when you were 12 yeah that's yeah. straight nostalgia <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'm going to keep reading because I think there's a lot of stuff in here that people would be interested about. How about Mike Mendez's movies? We're still looking for materials for the convent. There's a 4K master available that was done by the licensor with the materials that had a couple of theatrical prints, which doesn't look so hot. If we have to use it, we will, but we think we found the original materials. The production company went under, so all the materials got scattered, and it's hard to figure out the chain of where everything went. Around December or January, we found what we think the materials are. They're in a California in a lab that is closed because of the pandemic. Basically, the answer for every title you're asking about, COVID happened. We're also working on Killers, and as soon as my schedule opens, I'm going to go back to that. That movie never had Mike Mendez's true ending attached. The distributor wanted a different one, and Mike was never happy with that. So we found the original material materials, and we're going to restore his ending. So the Convent like, movie, like the early two thousands one, kind of like the Night of the Demons ripoff. Adrian Barbeau one. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and uh, Killers is another Mendez movie. That's I, a weird one. That's I, like an Edgeborn Killers thing. I didn't know that Snaps was releasing the con- and maybe I did, and I forgot. But that's fucking cool, man. Because I've talked about that movie for years, about yeah. just being kind of underrated. You know, it's fun. I doubt the Killers is going to have the uh, door music in it. The Doors, this is the end. I doubt they're going to be able to get that. Uh, you, you, I mean, honestly, yeah. It was a weird version. There's like a couple versions of that movie. I don't know if that's the official or not. Yeah, who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, what's up with Tombs of the Blind Dead? Tombs is another one. We're in the middle of fixing a restoration. We licensed Tomb of the Blind Dead, and we're given a restored master, and we're like, this is a brand new restoration from Germany. And there are things disappearing from the image. There's a scene at the end where one of the Templar zombies raises a sword to cut someone down, and the whole sword disappears from the frame. And in one of the scenes, and in one of the scenes in the beginning, where a girl jumps off the train, blah blah blah. But I guess uh, they're working on Tombs of the Blind Dead. Honestly, this is kind of an annoying turn of events because I mean all the rights to the four films kind of went all over the place like didn't Screen Factory get the fourth one and they've got the first one and you know Blue Underground obviously released that awesome coffin set of all four movies and stuff but wouldn't we just want to have all four in a a fucking box set at this point because I I feel like a lot of people aren't going to track those down separately that's that's the thing I never bought the the Screen Factory release because I I mean I have the DVD I'm like why the fuck would I buy like the fourth one if I don't have the first three and like I'm going to buy the Snaps and then other companies are going to release it and then one day someone's miraculously going to release them all like a Halloween box set and it's going to be Tombs of the Blind Dead on, on Blu-ray and I have to buy them again? Fuck this. I doubt I doubt there's going to be a box set of that. Oh man, it's just such a shame, dude, because that's a that's a great, you know, quadrilogy kind of thing, man. You should I, do that on this show. I, I Honestly, I've been I've been panning for that one for years, man, and fucking no one's picked it and I, I remember when we first started this show actually, back in 12, I, it might have been the first year I even mentioned. I don't know if Jeremy remembers. JP says he doesn't remember that, but I brought it up a few times. I'm like, man, this would be a good one. It's like four movies. They're all pretty solid and shit to do on the show. We never did it. So. Should do Spanish. Should do Spanish horror again. There's lots of good Spanish. Oh, horror. endless, endless good Spanish horror. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, uh, this is new news. Christopher Landon slasher movie Freaky has been rated R for strong bloody violence. Uh, this is uh, Chris Landon, of course, who did My Bloody, not My Bloody Valentine, uh, Happy Death Day. This is his new movie from Blumhouse and Universal, supposed to open up on November 13th. It's rated R for strong bloody violence, sexual content, and language throughout. Also stars Vince Vaughn as a serial killer. Oh, my. <laughs> I was, I was so excited. I was so excited for this like, just because I'm like, oh, it might be an improvement from his piece of shit, Happy Death Day. Vince Vaughn gets brought up. Vince Vaughn's all right. Yep. Honestly, I, like I, w- I would prefer Vaughn. Vince Vaughn in a role like this where it's probably not going to be 
uh, comedic because I find Vince Vaughn not funny at all. Like, I prefer him in more serious type roles. I just don't understand his comedic shit is just not funny. So, fuck Vince Vaughn and the nation. Fuck the VV nation. (laughs) All right. uh, Next up. Final Destination creator Jeffrey Reddick's directorial debut, Don't Look Back, gets October release. Um, oh, another don't out, movie. Another don't movie to add to my collection of don'ts. Don't buy Comes these. out in theaters and on demand October 16th. Courtney Bell stars as Catelyn Kramer, a woman overcoming a tragic past who's among several people who see a man being fatally assaulted. When the witness starts dying mysteriously, she must unearth if they're being targeted by a killer or something far more insidious. Sounds pretty shitty. Sounds so boring. And, and, and Jeffrey the, Riddick fucking wrote the Day of the Dead remake. So and the, the first one. So not a, there's already a couple movies with that same title. Fuck this shit, man. I'm not watching that. Hard pass. I'm not going to watch it, but I'm going to buy the DVD. (laughs) (laughs) That's about right. I'll probably do it, too. Like, oh, it's five nine nine. I need another dope title in my collection. Fuck. Jesus. All right. Next up, uh, David Cronenberg's Crash joins the Criterion Collection in December. So Arrow is releasing a 4K of this, and Criterion are being lame and releasing a Blu-ray of this, but it's finally coming to Region 1. On December 1st, so I'm going to be grabbing the Arrow release, of course, but if you're into Blu-rays, you can pick it up from Criterion on December 1st. I'll probably need to release 4Ks, man. Like, everybody else is doing it. They're going to get left behind. Yeah. Well, I'll be grabbing the Arrow, not because of the 4K, but just because it's going to be way, way cheaper. <laughs> right? For so, you. For me. Yeah. Honestly, man, Criterions are 50 bucks here. So fuck that. That's why I don't own all. All right. Uh, Total Recall coming to 4K from Lionsgate in December. Get your ass to Mars. Yeah, I can't wait for this. I saw this on 70 millimeter last June, Triple and titties. I loved it. It was awesome. So, um, yeah, it's coming from Lionsgate. Brand new 4K restoration. Yeah, that movie one, is going to so. look retarded good, man. I love that movie. Me That's too. one of my Me favorite too. movies. It's my second favorite Arnie movie behind The Running Man. Mine too. Exactly the same. And then number three is Predator. Oh my god, that's really, really that bizarre. That number four man. is Terminator, and then probably five True Lies. Oh, I like dude. Commander. So you Commando. like the Terminator more than Terminator 2? Yeah. Yeah, me like too, it. man. Me too. That's so crazy. Michael Bean's great in the first one. Yeah. And Lance Hendrickson and Paul Winfield. You might be the only other person I've ever met that likes The Running Man the most. Oh, it's my favorite. That's so crazy. Richard I'll Dawson? Playing zero. Oh, I love it. Richard Dawson is the best in that movie, man. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I love the beginning with Arnold's got the beard and he's like, need yeah. to live. <laughs> I've seen that movie a hundred times, man. Right? Oh, that's the best. Yeah, man. Oh, this is always a part of me and I want to make it a part of you. That's <laughs> all right. Keep it. So all right, good. here's a 2005 news. Writers of 2005's House of Wax recall floating the idea of a prequel movie to the studios. Uh, didn't receive a particularly warm reception when it came out in 2005, nor did it set the box office on fire. But House of Wax has aged quite well here in the horror world. Uh, we f- did float the idea of a prequel after it came out, but the studio's response is it didn't do any big numbers at the box office. Carrie Haynes told comicbook.com this month. But if we approach it now, it could be a whole different story because of the fan base. He continued, it's like the theater became full of people. How, you know? I mean, it's a crazy story. So, you know, House of Wax. late to make a sequel, a prequel, isn't it? 20, 15 years? Yeah, 15. Yeah. I don't really understand that whole idea, considering it is just a remake of two other movies. But um, 
so House of Wax is kind of one of those oddball films that I saw when it first came out and didn't care for it. You know, I, I was like, whatever, man. Oh, I'll, I'll watch the price films any day kind of thing. And um, over time, it kind of grew on me. And I rewatched it actually recently because 2005 was one of the years I had for the summer series, which I brought up a couple times on the show. So I had to rewatch it. And again, it's just fucking fun, man. It is really, really fun. I have this weird theory to why it didn't do good in the theater. Um, I mean, it was at that time. I mean, if anybody knew that it was a remake and shit like that, a lot of people were just kind of gagging on the fact of going the to see the remake. The horror fans tuned out. Right? They kind of tuned out exactly with that whole thing. And, and, and of course, um, the whole uh, Paris Hilton thing, too. You know, I mean, I think just people seeing her in there just like, fuck, really? I, I'm not going to see this fucking movie with Paris Hilton. Not really knowing that her kill is actually one of the better ones in the film, but, uh, yeah. you know, it was kind of satisfying. Yeah, I was 18 but, years old. You can't expect me to go watch a remake of House of Wax with Paris Hilton. I'm like, no, that, I hate everything. I just remember people talking about it like fucking remake with Paris Hilton. Like this is going to be garbage. And that was literally the selling point to a lot of people to why they never stepped in that theater. And I get it. I completely understand it because at that time, you know, the remake was becoming the norm and people were getting sick of it. And they're like, Paris Hilton's not an actress. Why the fuck is she? This is like another. Halloween Resurrection with Buster Rhymes and all these non-actors and shit like that and it's like fuck this but it's kind of weird how these movies get better with time I don't know have you watched it recently either no, one of you guys I've never seen it oh what? I didn't watch it oh shit you never did watch I'm it I'm excited oh. to watch it for 2005 I have the Blu-ray set okay and, uh, so I watched it you know in 05 and I probably watched it maybe 10 years later I, I know I picked up the DVD and didn't watch it for a while. And then I popped in one day. I was like, fuck, I need to rewatch this shit. And I was like, holy shit, this is a lot better than I remember. And then I rewatched it again just recently. And I was like, fuck, man, this movie is actually really fun. So I kind of like the effects in it. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, docu-series History of Horror returns to AMC in October with six brand new episodes. So Eli Roth's um, History of Horror is coming back on, September- on October 10th on AMC at... 10 9 central so this new season will explore magic wielding witches mishapping monsters and famously evil youngsters hell houses and body horror cool body horror yeah so that should be cool better Pro- do italy once profiling some cronenberg yes why not italian stuff right as eli roth all right uh jaws ripoffs tra- Travel Channel announces Ghosttober's schedule, including Amityville Horror and Exorcist specials. So um, on this, we have a new two-hour documentary on Amityville uh, premiering on October Jesus, October 26th. And then we have uh, something on an exorcism. And then this is really interesting. On October 29th, we have a two-hour special, Ghost Adventures, Horror at Joe Exotic Zoo. So Sack Biggins and the Ghost Adventures crew go inside the infamous Greater Wind World Exotic Animal Park to investigate sinister accounts of ghostly activity. Not exploitive at all. <laughs> and before they I do that, and before they do that, they watch Wild Beasts on repeat. Yeah. <laughs> also not exploitive at all. Everything's got Fucking to be so setting exotic. rats on fire and shit. Oh my god, that movie's so funny. Oh, that's great. And I didn't last... watch that Joe Exotic because I didn't really give a shit. Yeah. Alright, last up, uh probably the biggest news, Candyman pulled from October release and indefinitely delayed to twenty twenty one. 
So Candyman will now be released in some time in 2021. The film has been said that it will not be coming to video on demand early because the director refuses to release the film that way because he says that it should be seen in an audience format <clears throat> with a in a theater. So I don't think we're going to be seeing that anytime soon on VOD. But well, I, I want it now. Did you tell him that? I'm going to have to wait now until 20. 20- I kind of figured this was going to happen with that movie. It's one of the bigger releases of the year. Right. I mean, why, why put all that effort into it just to release it on VOD? I mean, it's definitely a cinematic type film, I would assume. So yeah, I get it. I don't even think some of them got finished like last night in Soho or whatever. I don't even think it got finished. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I I read a a few, a bunch of films and get, and that's probably one of them. That's kind of a shame because that one sounded okay. James Wan's film was supposed to come out in August. That fucking didn't come out. Sucks. Yeah, so I mean, you can look at the pros and cons of this. A lot of these movies being pushed to 2021. I mean, if things kind of straighten out, hopefully they do. I mean, 2021 potentially could be a really good year. Potentially. Yeah. Right? So 2020 being a write off, but 2021 could be making it up for it. Who knows? I guess we'll be one soon. and a half years, 2021. Yeah, right? <laughs> so that is it for the news. Dude, that was really good. You did a good job on the news. Actually, yeah. in fact, I think you were better than JP. And you didn't right. mention Friday 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, or Scream once. <laughs> that's that's why you were better. But honestly, I was man, actually interested in the shit you were saying too. Yeah, your execution was um, very, very solid. Uh, All right, might have to have Mike Merriman over here. Might have solid to have a change here. Fucking JP's getting fired. I, I love when JP's on the show. Can we just talk shit about him? I mean, we can talk shit about him when he's on the show, but yeah, he doesn't hear this anyway, so. Um, But yeah, so that's uh, the news. Good stuff. Fucking thing sucks. All right, so moving along. The word I bring to you today is knowledge reigns supreme. You got no time to joke and play because knowledge reigns supreme. For this week's knowledge, I thought maybe we might just do a top 10 uh, anime horror films list. Um, This particular list is brought to you by CBR.com. It's not really a never top, heard of them. Yeah, it's not really a top ten list. It was just kind of like, and the way I do these, I always just like type top ten whatever into Google and whatever comes up first. If it's decent, I'll usually use it. Uh, this one isn't specifically a top ten list. It's it's actually dubbed as ten scary anime movies you should watch this Halloween. So why not? This list was actually done 2019, so it's you know last year's list, which is kind of interesting. So, but anyways, I mean, I guess it translates to top ten horror, I guess in a sense. Not gonna be- much fight back from us like the top 10 rape revenge movies because you know what i don't think any of us are anime experts here no i don't know probably will know none of these um like a is on here i could say he's on there probably i did kind of scan through this and i think there was only one movie i hadn't heard of and actually most of these i've seen so which is due to this this show in patreon to be honest but, but oh sorry i got hiccups but anyways number 10 we have paprika uh, is actually a film that I do have to watch on um, Patreon. I've heard of this one. Obviously, never seen it. I've heard good things. You guys never seen this one? Uh-huh. No, but it's supposed to be what Inception. It's very similar to Inception. Came out before Inception. Oh, so okay. Yep. Cool. Um, this is the one I never heard of. Number nine, Spirited Away. Oh, that's great. That's a Studio Ghibli that film. That's, that's, not a a whole, that's not a horror movie. That's an, I was like, you know what I mean? You've never seen Spirited Away. 
I don't know if I've seen Spirited Away. I've seen a bunch of his movies, like Nazca the Wind and shit. The very last line in this, it says, the studio uh, Ghibli film has tons of horrific imagery. Maybe that's why it's here, just because it's got... I guess so, a little bit, but that's a great fucking film. Okay, so the one I hadn't heard of, you've actually seen, so that's interesting. Yeah, I've heard of that one. I've never heard of it. I've heard of this one, never seen it before. Uh, Someone actually mentioned this to me not too long ago, actually, which is Blood, The Last Vampire. So... That's just, that's just how I'd heard of it. Someone mentioned I it I think me, I've but... seen the cover, actually, but mm-hmm. I never watched it. Okay, so, I mean, it's number eight. Uh, number seven, which we've actually reviewed on this show, I believe this was done on the last anime show, uh, Vampire Hunter D. Yeah, yep. love it. Great which, movie. Which makes sense. It's, yep. it's just such a blast. It's such a good one. Um, Top 10 out of 85 for me. Yeah, man. Um, number six, which is one I've watched and reviewed on this uh, on this podcast, which is Wicked City. Um, I expected to see that one on here. Wicked City is great. It's really great. Uh, number five is Lily Cat. This was another one that was actually mentioned to me. I uh, didn't know anything about it, but yeah. Never heard of it. Guys What's are, it called? Lily Cat? Lily Cat. And cat is uh, abbreviated C.A.T. So I don't know what that's all about. But uh, Number four is one I think I reviewed on the last What We Watch show, uh, courtesy of Patreon once again, which is Princess Minoki. Uh, seen that one that's good, a classic good film this one has like tons of great releases so yeah it seems to be like kind of a classic anime film that everyone knows about and or has seen so number four number three which we will be talking about later in the show which is Ninja Scroll uh, very kind of iconic everybody knows about Ninja Scroll most people have seen it uh, number two yep. which is Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust now <laughs> this is crazy this is actually above the original one because I, we'll get into this yeah. when we're talking about this one later in the show too but I just thought it was so interesting that it was higher on this list because most people I've heard say that they like this one more than the first one which again we'll get into that and number one I mean I can't really argue if they're making a best of list right now or whatever another one I've seen and reviewed on this show which is a fantastic fantastic film and it's perfect blue. perfect blue yep. yeah this one was given to me by Jerry the Ginger I believe to review and it's like it's like I reviewed it too on the show yeah you did um it's essentially kind of a anime giallo in a sense and it's really cool man it's just a really well kind of choreographed film narrative is really cool but I highly recommend Perfect Blue so yeah surprisingly this list um mostly I'd heard of and or seen so that was kind of inviting because I mean I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm an expert on anime films horror and other anime films at all um because I'm not so, but I do enjoy them. I do enjoy them. So, uh, but uh, you guys got anything to add? Is there any no, that you've seen I'm... before that didn't make that list that you thought should uh, maybe just be recommended? Um, TV series, the Giver. It's not a movie, but I mean, that's not really spooky. It's, it's, you know, the super suits and stuff, bio booster armor, Giver, the old one and the new one's pretty good. I like both of those <laughs> big fan of Giver in general. Not really an anime guy, to be honest. So, yeah, I just don't know much about it. Like what from what I've seen, you know, over the last couple of years and things like that. Like, like I said, Ninja Scroll, I've seen a couple of times over the years and stuff. But uh, from what I've seen, you know, kind of going back in time to some of these films that I obviously miss, but uh, I've liked they're enjoyable. You know, I haven't seen anything horrible. But then again, we're not really getting really bad ones. So, yeah, which is a good thing. It's not like the TV show where there's like 8000 episodes for one series and <laughs> it's impossible to watch it all. At yeah. this point. Yeah, there's like a million anime TV series, man. So like how many seasons yeah. of Dragon Ball Z is there? There's gotta be like hundreds of those. I swear. Yeah. 
There's thousands of episodes. My friends love that shit growing up, and I never really watched it. They yeah, always do JP the impersonations likes. of the fucking era, like Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I used to work with a guy that was obsessed with it too, and he had like all the DVDs. And I was like, dude, how many episodes of this shit? And he's, I can't remember what he said, but at that time, this was years ago, but it's still going, see. isn't it? It's crazy, man. Like, it's it's kind of like a soap opera, like Days of Our Lives has been going on for 50 years. Oh, you don't want to look it up because there's multiple series. They yeah, want to tell you. And, that, you know. In Dragon Ball C, there's 291 episodes, and then there's Dragon there's Ball. Dragon Ball, yeah. And then there's Dragon Ball Super, mm. which is 131. Dragon Ball Z Kai, which is 167. Dragon Ball, which has 153. It's like fucking crazy. So it's, so it's kind of like the Power Rangers. It wasn't there like 30 different Power Ranger shows, too? That's funny. It's like X Men, or like how they have different the Uncanny X Men. The you know what I mean? They have like forty fucking different renditions. Okay, so that's a quick little knowledge. Moving along into dead mail, Jeremy. We got some dead mail this week. Kick the shit about the mail, man. You've got mail. Trust the mail. Man, now his ass is trash like a garbage can. Caught up in some shit with the mailman. Yeah, dead mail. So this is issue 217. This comes from October of 2002. And on the cover we have Ghost Ship, which is coming out pretty soon from Scream Factory. Not a purchase uh, for me. Yeah. That's, a, that's a pass for me, dog. Yeah. It's, it, the movie looks fantastic. It's just not very good. Not for a $30 Blu-ray. Yeah. I've never seen it, but I'm not paying 30 for it. Uh, Lords of the Ring, The Two Towers, The Ring, Below, Red Dragon, and Saint Sinister. What year no, was this Saint from? Sin- this Saint is from uh, Clive Barker's Saint Sinner. Too gory so, for yeah. TV. It's from uh, October 2002. 2002. Yeah, so that's the yeah. remake of The Ring, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. This one comes... I just pulled this issue because it made me laugh because there's a lot of stuff. This is the issue right after Halloween Resurrection came out, so there's lots (laughs) of funny stuff about Halloween Resurrection. This is one asshole that loves it. All right. This one comes from Mark Sieber from Hampton, Virginia, and he writes... I just got back from seeing Halloween Resurrection, and I'm sad to say it's the worst Michael Myers story yet. It appears that the mentioned cynically, cynically hard hip hoppers, Buster Rhymes, and Tyra Banks to lure a new audience to the franchise. Unlike New Line, which made Jason X fun, a poison confection to longtime fans of the Friday series, probably the most nauseating moment of this Halloween are when Buster is making idiotic idiotic chop socky noises when facing michael i went to see halloween resurrection out of a misguided feeling of loyalty and i do admit to feeling a comfortable moment of two of nostalgia as john carpenter's classic halloween score filled the theater at the beginning of the film that good feeling ended quickly this ugly new entry in the series is the worst horror sequel i've ever paid to see from laurie's terminator 2-esque Escape from the hospital to obligatory springboard for yet another sequel. This ought to be the last nail in the coffin of this once proud series. Uh, okay, a couple things. <laughs> People forget all the other sequels. Like this is the one that did it. Every time a bad Halloween movie comes out, like this is it. This is the last drop. I mean, at this point, it, it was pretty bad though. Um, yeah, but a couple this things. Great I mean, series. I mean, I agree with them. You know, it's it's pretty bad. I like the uh, the reference to the the fucking Laurie. Uh, Terminator escape. That's fucking hilarious. Cause like I always refer to new Halloween as being the Rambo Lori, 
which is fucking funny. Um, but a couple things. Uh, first up, um, Tyra Banks. He referred to Tyra Banks as a hip hopper. No, yeah. she's just black. That doesn't mean you're in the hip hop culture. That is that it's kind of racist to say that, to be honest. Probably. She's yeah, just, no idea. yeah, bust and and going back to Busta rhymes, it's not Buster rhymes. That's ridiculous. We're not talking about Buster <laughs> Douglas here, man. It's Busta. So get yeah, your Buster, shit straight. Buster's the only guy ever named Buster is Buster Douglas and your dog. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a white Jewish boy. I don't know any better. No, no, no. I, I, I imagine you're reading it how it's written. It probably says Buster, doesn't it? No, it says Busta. Oh, okay. So you Dude, just pronounce it like it's you. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious but anyways yeah i just thought that was funny hip hoppers busta rhymes and tyra banks i'm like mm, no no was tyra banks even like a, was she a musician i, don't, I thought she was just she an was actress a, she was a model actress yeah see I, I didn't fucking i don't i was i would never even thought she was involved with music. she was a model turned actress turned then she had her own television show she had her own talk show for a long time Tyra Banks show and he's right about busta rhymes i mean busta rhymes is yeah, actually yeah, legitimately amazing but as an actor no <laughs> but it's a whole nother story yeah all right this one comes from brian from delco north carolina hats off to rick rosenthal for making a great halloween film i was skeptical at first since michael myers i was i was skeptical at first since michael myers was decapitated by laurie strode in 1998's h2o i liked the wrong guy scenario and thought the film delivered nothing but blood fright and a great script Though I was disappointed that Laurie was killed, I enjoyed the film very much. I can only imagine and hope that this is the start of a new beginning for the franchise. I often wonder if John Carpenter would ever come back to the director's chair for another Halloween. Whatever the case, I look forward to part nine. But why was Tyra Banks' murder scene cut out? That's it. Dude, I love how in the beginning he's like, At first I was skeptical because Mike Myers got his head cut off. (laughs) I mean, what? That was, come on, dude, there actually is somebody that liked this movie. Of course, no mention of the shitty Buster Rhymes character. Was that Justin Patrick? Sign Justin Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Double or shit Sam taste Edwards. Jay. Probably Sam Edwards. <laughs> Double shit taste Jay. Oh, my God. That's awesome. He would stick up for it just to be a contrarian. He does. He he completely does. I mean, he was an advocate for, you know, all the hate for, um, uh, Friday five and of course oh, Friday love, nine. I love I love Friday five, but I, Freddy's dead. But Remember you know that? But the thing is though, man, you know, back in the day, everybody hated part five because of the whole fake Mike Myers I thing. Never did. Oh, but, you mean fake Jason? Did I say Mike Myers? Oh yeah, because we're talking about Halloween. Yeah, fake Jason. But anyways, yeah, he's always been the one to defend um Jason goes to hell, and I'm just like, I don't get it. Because that movie's just rubbish. And then of course Freddy's dead. He does the same thing with Freddy's dead, which is just just not right. He he kind of ate shit a little, little bit on that show. He was like, I because re- I was telling him, I was like, dude, I used to love Freddy's Dead. I rewatched it. It's shit. It's not a good movie. It's subpar. What? And Mike was like, oh, it's all right. Mike hasn't rewatched it in like 10 years either. I know he hasn't. He's just bullshit. But then JP kind of ate shit. He was like, yeah, it wasn't very good. No. <laughs> He's like, it went down. It's like the open, like, there's like five good minutes in the movie and then it just takes a huge donkey shit, man. It's just, it's absolutely unforgivable, man. There's one great line, though. Every town has an Elm Street. I, I believe Derek was lighting fucking JP up yeah, on the last he, show too. Didn't he say something? I'd he was trying to give him half a star. He was like half a star. Freddy's dead is not half a star. That's absurd. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. But uh, no, I think Derek said something on the pain. lines. Of, not even a of pain. He'd rather get raped with an raped in an iron lung than watch Freddy's dead again. Jesus Christ. I missed that one. I was like, what the? F-? I think I heard. I, I don't think I heard that either. But Derek said he said it. And I was like, what the fuck? He That's did hilarious. say it. He did say it. That I is, heard iron lung in there. 
Like where he came up with the iron lung is just beyond me, but that's that's pretty fucking <laughs> funny. You basically, you're crippled. You can't do nothing. You have a lung breathing for you. Somebody goes in there where you can't fucking stand just to watch yourself get raped. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's because all the shitty jokes in that movie just take the air right out of you, man. You need a fucking iron lung, man. Oh, it's horrible. Acting is bad, and all the characters suck, and it just has no transitions. I was watching. I was like, what? What's happening here? Where? Why? What? What nope. the fuck is happening? Nobody ever met. Yeah, the acting is really bad in the movie, but uh, no one ever mentions how shitty fucking Freddy's makeup looks, too. It's atrocious in that movie. It doesn't even look like they even, like his face at points doesn't even look like it's even that burnt. It's just Dude, bad. Robert Anglin couldn't show up. He got real sick on that set. They actually just like had a guy with a pizza on his face for like half the time. <laughs> <laughs> There's like cause... a pepperoni on his eye. He's like, I can't see, man. Take it off. <laughs> He's too busy playing fucking Nintendo. He's too busy playing Nintendo with the power glove, man. Fuck. Yeah. Cut the fucking buttons with his fucking claw. God, that's bad. All right. Matt Serfini writes, I just wanted to drop a quick line about the misfortune I had in seeing Halloween Resurrection this weekend. Why I paid my $3.50 to see this movie, I'll never know. Three fifty. Nice. Yeah, he's complaining about three dollars and fifty cents. Dude, like, I was still paying nine fifty in two thousand two. Go fuck yourself. But curiosity got the better of me, and I'm still reeling from this garbage even now. The mention took everything that made the franchise work. At least the sixth film had a spooky Halloween atmosphere and turned it into a schlocky direct-to-video quality MTV movie. Filled to the brim with non-characters, even the worst Halloween movie had decently developed heroines. Bad acting quasi-philosophical dialogue if you're trying to going if you're going to try to duplicate the discussions of fate from part one and seven at least make them fit into the film somehow and a god-awful storyline that even managed to make the curse of thorn plot seem decent this is just about the worst slasher sequel i've ever had the misfortune to witness theatrically all the series suspense and integrity is gone and michael doesn't stalk anyone he just pops up to chop a head off here and there and then vanishes for a bit there are so many low points in this turkey that I'm not going to get into them, but let me say that the set of Busta Rhymes battling Michael with Kung Fu while shouting Trick or Treat Motherfucker was enough to make me realize that the series is indeed finished for good. <laughs> I know they I know they left it wide open for another film with an ending so hawky and low gray that even the worst DTV movie would be embarrassed by it. But this was the, I mean, I guess that means direct video. But this was the first time the series ceased to be at least remotely scary. It's too damn bad that the mentioned film saw fit to make a mockery of a series that has managed to retain at least some integrity over the 20 plus years it's been around. If a Halloween 9 comes along, count me out. I'll stay home that night and watch Halloween 4 again. <laughs> oh, so you're just going to punish yourself some more? What an idiot. Yeah, no shit. I made the All mistake right. of doing that. I think last year I watched Halloween 4 again, and I was like, man, this movie's garbage, man. It's just garbage. Maya's evil paycheck. Every time I hear about the Halloween sequels. Man, he was talking about shitty-ass MTV movie or horror movies and shit, man. Fuck. You know, this obviously came out before my Super, my super Psycho Sweet 16 that came out in 2009, but that, that's an MTV movie that I actually enjoyed. You ever, did you ever see I'd those I'd rather movies? watch that. No, I, there's three of those. I'd rather watch that than Halloween Dude, 5, 6, or 7, or 8. They're surprisingly not that bad. We reviewed the trilogy on here years ago, and I think we were all pleasantly surprised that they're not like the worst things you've ever seen. Especially the first one, they kind of they go downhill you know, with 2 and 3, but oh, yeah. even by the third one, they're like, it's not even that bad. It's crazy. It's like a 5 or a 6. I just think that people would never check these out because they're like dubbed as MTV horror films. And it's like, oh, fuck, how bad is this going to be? But do you remember them, Jeremy? 
I had to work. Oh, you never you weren't on that show? No. Yeah, fuck. Was Derek on that show? No, Schreier was. Oh, that's right. I forgot he was on that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was gobbling cocks on that one for sure. Yeah. All right. Sean Francis from Clarksburg, Massachusetts writes, I recently saw Eight-Legged Freaks and was so disappointed that I needed to dash off this letter. My favorite horror subgenre is nature-run amok films, more specifically giant bug movies. I'm a sucker for anything with a mutilated spider, mutated spider, tarantula, earth versus the spider, and in later years, Dan Curtis's Curse of the Black Widow. It bothered me that Dean Delavan and Ronald Emmerich say that they're fans of the 50s bug movies, yet crank out an inferior film such as Eight-Legged Freaks. My problems with it are many, but what bothers me the most, a problem a lot of horror movies have as of late, is this, comedy. I prefer horror movies to play themselves straight and to the bone, and my god, wouldn't a spider the size of a dodge induce a mind-blowing surge of incomparable terror? I guess not to Devin and Emmerich. Sure, some of the townsfolks appeared horrified, some actually screamed, but when David Arquette is able to stand mentally unaffected by an advancing anachronid and squid and squirt perfume in his face, not to mention the stupid un like reaction from the beast, well, that is when someone has to stand up and implore filmmakers to stop watering down horror movies. For God's sake, let's see what a giant spider could really do mentally and physically to a human being. I speak for the masses when I say, let's see the real face of horror again. With that on my system, was there any explanation as to why a diverse group of spiders would seemingly work together, considering that normal anachronisms are cannibals? I guess toxic waste erases tension along the mutated, or why or why the movies or weavers didn't construct the type of circular webs. Oh, fuck off. I'm done reading this douche. Also, um, they probably the same reason they work together is the same reason they could fucking walk weighing that much weight. Why, <laughs> why is this guy even trying to break this shit down, man? I mean, it was titled Egg Leg Freaks and it had David Arquette in it. What did you fucking expect? I went yeah. to see street trash and it was trashy. Like, yeah, oh, man, shit. like you can just tell a comedic movie by its title most of the time. I mean, eight-legged freaks. Come on with David Arquette. Fucking shut up, man. Like, dude, what an idiot. What do you, what do these people expect? He saw the trailer. This guy's literally looking for logic in a movie that's obviously a fucking horror comedy or a comedy horror. Yeah, like that's what I always said about the Child's Play 3. People are like, why is that carnival there? Why is there a fucking killer doll? But the carnival actually makes sense because most know, carnivals are in they're those. They're saying that like it's a very like who gives a shit? Yeah, like who gives a fuck at that point? It's just it's just things to fucking bitch about when you don't have anything to bitch about. So you start nitpicking. I mean, we, I mean, we've all done that before. But I mean, at sometimes you got to be like, dude, are you serious? Is this worth writing down and sending a letter? Exactly, That's exactly. We're not gonna. Bitch I'm not gonna to take friend. the time to fucking write into Fangoria and try to explain away <laughs> eight legged freaks. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me, dude? All right. This one comes from Glenn Allen, Easton, Pennsylvania. And she he writes, I take exception to Matthew Karen's review of The Watcher in the Woods. Did you just assume that person's gender? Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, the only Glenn that I know is a chick is Glenn. How about it's Glenn or Glenda? I'm Glenn just going to say that. Glenn or Ed Glenda. Wood, man. <laughs> Ed Wood or it's fucking uh, the shitty-ass Child's Play remake. Ugh. 
I take exception to Matthew Curran's review of the Watcher in the Woods DVD in issue 213. I saw Watcher in 1980 with my mother when I was in ninth grade, and we were terrified. To be fair, mom got me interested in horror movies, so it wasn't as if we were two chickens in a carnival haunted house. We found the mystery of the girl's disappearance intriguing and thought all the pieces came together nicely in the end. I finally read the book about a year ago and saw the movie on video and was just as scared as I was in 1980. I'm 35 years old, have loved horror movies for years, and don't consider myself easily spooked by any means. Karen slams Watcher just as Siskel and Ebert did in 1980. They diversively laughed it off the screen, saying it didn't make sense. The movie actually makes more sense than some of the movies they couldn't praise enough. I'm afraid Karen's opinion that Watcher is a sneeze fest is very much his opinion. The movie blends the vicious camera shots of Friday the 13th and the following mystery and good old-fashioned scares that horror fans have loved for years. If you have not seen Watchers, you've been missing out. I don't even know what that movie is. Watcher in the Woods is the Disney horror movie. Oh, yeah. Is Eddie Davis in that one? Yeah, it's when Disney made really, really good like something wicked this way comes, which is fantastic. Yeah, man. You know, return to Oz and things like those really kind of dark fucking, you know, kind of kid friendly horror films that were kind of made for just adults. Families like families could watch them and you would actually be scared if you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really interesting era for Disney, but that's a good one. You've never seen that one before, Jeremy. That's crazy. I've yeah. never seen that one either. I've seen something wicked this way comes and return to Oz. Something wicked was one of my favorites as a kid. Yeah. Well, it's, it's fu- kind of funny how we keep bringing up movies that kind of relate back to 85. <clears throat> Should do a Disney horror movie uh, thing with like something wicked this way comes, Watcher in the Woods, and maybe like Return to Oz or Black Hole. Doing I'm that. positive cool. that got brought up sometime. It never came to light, though, but I would love to do that. It's great. There's a lot of good ones. All right. Uh, last up, we have some nobody's name, just an email. Uh, since you guys are the horror authority who better to ask about these movies hypercube cube 2 what's the deal it was supposed to come out in june now it's not due out until april 2003 any chance you guys could find out what's happening also return of the living dead 4 necropolis apparently this movie slipped right under every horror fan's radar because it is supposedly coming out next week the internet movie database has cast crew everything listed on the site they claim the release date is july 16th 2002 any details and they said Cube 2 has indeed been delayed till next spring. As for Return of the Living Dead 4, there wasn't even a start date at press time. That information was probably posted by the overseas producers. It's further proof that you can't trust everything you read on IMDb. <laughs> and yeah, I think they actually filmed part 4 and 5 together, so there would have been two releases, I think. And they got released 2005. <laughs> yeah, in 2005, and they both came out around the same time. Yeah, because uh, part right. four and five actually surprisingly have continuity to the rest of the series and actually have some of the same characters. It's pretty interesting. Did they have continuity to Chud 2, which mm. is the real Return of the Living Dead part three? Negative. Negative. <laughs> I mean, really, would you yeah, rather watch... like a return movie. I know that you like Bud, Shud, Bud the Chud, Chud 2, Bud the Chud, whatever the fuck it's called. But do you like Return of the Living Dead part three? I like, yeah, I like all the yeah. three of the... Return of the Living Dead. I don't know what this four and five they keep talking about are, though. They're 2005, so... I don't know what those are. I got bored a couple months ago during quarantine. And so I just had... I was like, you know what? Fuck this, man. I'm going to watch all the Return of the Living Dead movies. So obviously I've seen the first three like a hundred times. And then I'd only ever seen part four once. And I'd never finished part five. 
and I couldn't remember <laughs> it. So I, I ran through them all and, and watched. And I was like pleasantly surprised that like, you know, with the continuity and, you know, kind of. And honestly, part four and five are always the bastard child of that franchise. People are like, oh, they're shit because they're TV films. And that was kind of the big selling point for people's hate was, oh, they're shitty ass TV films and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, whatever. You know, in reality, you watch these movies, you know, all 15 years after they come out and they're actually not as bad as they would have been back then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because now we get like Day of the Dead 2 Contagium and fucking uh, Day of the Dead 2 different remakes that were unwatchable. Yeah, man. But I was like 2005. I'm thinking to myself going into these. I'm like, man, there's gonna be a ton of bad CG and stuff. Honestly, there was a from what I can remember now, because it's like four months ago, I drank a lot in the summer. Um, But there was a lot of practical effects and the continuity. and, and, And actually, they just weren't as bad as whole movies as people are making out to be. And I'm like, I know people just stay away from them. I've even seen people on YouTube even like break their DVDs and in on camera. and like, I'm not watching this shit again. I'm like, God. It's not the worst shit in the world, man. It's not fucking science crazy. A little over dramatic, right? A little, a little Breaking bit over dramatic. But I'm just telling people, it's man. It's not like it's cuties or something. Relax, right? If you watch these movies <laughs> back in the day and you hated them, and you know all all this time, there's been time to kind of uh, oppress those feelings and go back to them, maybe. But it's another franchise I'd like to do on this podcast, which I'm surprised it hasn't been chosen. You guys haven't done Return yet? No, no. No, and I think you guys would laugh at my ratings for part two. I think it's because you know everybody and their dogs talked about Return of Living Dead, obviously, but oh, yeah. but I mean, and part three gets talked about. Two has kind of gotten a cult following again. I mean, for years people didn't like it, and all of a sudden people love it now. It's weird. But four and five, I've maybe, always loved two. Maybe we can do something about part four and five. I'm sure Jeremy will hate him because he hates zombie movies in general. But for myself, yeah, they're okay. Part right. two is a kids movie. So is Chud two. They're just kids movies. Part two is Somehow so. Rated R. It's so much fun, dude. Like all the stupid parodies, like the Michael Jackson thriller parody, and there's just dumb they threw shit. That in that last movie. minute, they almost cut that out, but they just put it in anyways. I'm glad. It, honestly, Tar Man is so goofy in this one, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's so fucking goofy, but it's a fun movie. It's fun. I like it a lot. It's a kids movie. I though, love the really. music in it too, man. It's great. Yeah, and the opening is great with the go rag go where the barrels falling out. Yeah. I love that. Scene. Yeah, I, I yeah. It's one actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie. All right. This one comes from Jerry from Tennessee, and he writes, Did you listen to that retard Jeremy Freeman in an episode 189 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast where he said Child's Play 3 is his favorite Child's Play? Oh, sorry. Anyway, let's keep going. Um, that let's wasn't see. bad. You should have kept that going. That was actually not too bad. All right. Uh, Anchor Bay haunts video stores this Halloween, and we got Sleepaway Camp, Near Dark, all the Halloweens. So that's pretty cool. All right, this is what's coming out on VHS and DVD in October 2002. Um, let's see, we have Addicted to Murder from Sub Rosa, um, Dark Shadows, Dead Seven from Brain Damage. Um, Ooh. Ooh, all the good ones. Insaniac and Ravage. That's Sub Rosa. From Sub Rosa, yeah, Meat yeah. Market, and Savage Harvest. Sub Rosa. Savage yep. Harvest? I, I like Savage Harvest. It's good. Meat Market's not bad either. Yeah, Meat Market's actually not bad. There's what, two sequels? Three of those? There's three sleep, three Meat Markets. I've only seen the first two. The, the second one's actually a pretty big independent movie for like, as far as like, uh, like scale. Yeah, I need to get two and three actually. I've never seen them. So. Never seen three. All right, then we have uh, POV from Sick and Twisted Productions. <laughs> Don't know what that is. The Surge from First Look. I don't know sweet, what that is. Sweet House of Horrors from Shriek Show. Yeah, Falchi. Uh, Vampire Strangler, oh. Zombie, <laughs> Zombie 3, 
and Zombie Fest from Tapeworm. <laughs> the fuck? Wow. And we have all, all Monsters Attack, uh, Bloody Birthday slash Horrors of the Black Museum, wow. uh, bro- Brotherhood of the Wolf, <laughs> uh, Butt Crack from Troma. Oh, butt crack. crack. So nuts. That's funny, though, Butt Crack. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Castle of Blood from Synapse. So hmm. even Synapse was around back then. Um, Coffin Joe Trilogy. Uh, Cold Hearts from Synapse. Um, Lost. That's the vampire man. Yeah, that, that's a weird one. That's a weird one. It's film. like Lost Boys with... It's like a cheap Lost Boys. Or it, it is kind of like the Lost Boys. I think that's how I dubbed it when I reviewed it, actually. It's like a cheap version of Lost Boys. <laughs> it's got Pink Ranger in it. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Gore from Image. Don't Look Down from Artisan. Dr. Shock's Tales of Terror. Huh. Those are like real cheap, low budget. Yeah, yeah. Th- this was that era, right? You know, like yeah. like just tons of independent, like really bad shit, though. But Eden Alive from Shriek Show, Elvira's Haunted Hills, Eight-Legged Freaks, Fear in the Night slash To the Devils, A Daughter from Ankle Bay, Anchor Bay, uh, graduation day from Troma, Guinea Pig Three from Unearth Films, uh, Hellraiser, Hellseeker, Hercules Against the Moon Man, Jason Goes to Hell, uh, Jigsaw from Full Moon, Monsters from a Prehistoric Planet, what? And uh, Patrick from Elite. Okay. You guys ever seen Jigsaw, the one that Full Moon released? No, no. I, I think I, re- I I watched it or reviewed it a couple years back or whatever. It's I think it was pretty shitty. <laughs> That's the bad Full Moon time. That that might be the worst Full Moon. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely a lot of shit that came out from Full Moon in that time. All right, and these are the films that were coming out in theaters in 2002. I don't remember seeing this in there, but we've been you know running a little short, so we'll keep going. Uh, October 4th, we have Red Dragon. October 11th, we have Below. October 15th, we have Hellraiser, Hellseeker. Uh, October 18th, we have Abandoned and The Ring. October 25th, we have Hellseeker got a theatrical release? No, direct-to-video. Oh, direct-to-video. Oh, okay. I was like, what? I thought you said theatrical. Well, that's what it says, but then in parentheses it says direct-to-video, yeah, so I don't know why it says that. Because only the first three got yeah, it. four, four, four. Got it. Oh, the, the fourth one did. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we talked Very about that. Very small, though, didn't it? Get a small one? or yeah. what? Or, no, maybe four didn't. Maybe four was direct-to-video. I, I'm pretty sure it was just the first three. I actually, I seen the third one in theater, actually. Yeah, yeah, maybe four was. All right, uh, October 25th, Ghost Ship. November 5th, Dog Soldiers. Hmm. Uh, the... And then we have winter slash spring of 2003. We have House of a Thousand Corpses in May, January 10th, Tales Not Told, January 17th, Sin Eater, January 31st, Fear the Dark, a.k.a. the Tooth Fairy. Uh, let's see, February 2003, Dreamcatcher, April 18th, 2003, Jeepers Creepers 2, July 18th, 2003, Exorcist prequel. There was an Exorcist prequel in 2003? Yes. Exorcist the beginning and then Dominion and then I Dominion those came out later. But those were those were but those in two thousand and three though? I thought they'd be two thousand five, but yeah. what do I know? Yeah, it was around that era. I can't remember. Listen to this didn't watch him in theater. Saw it in theaters. Saw Exorcist beginning in the theaters. Listen yeah, to I this. Didn't. This is what horror was like in two thousand and three. This is what came out on Halloween Day in two thousand and three. Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, The Butterfly Effect, Constantine Darkness, Doctor Sleep whatever that is, Final Destination 2, The Gathering, House of the Dead, 
and Love Object and Willard. Those all came out on Love Halloween. Object's decent too. Man, that's that's pretty decent <laughs> for Halloween releases. I mean, that's crazy. We don't get that many fucking horror movies now. The Willard no. remake. Hmm. Not seen that. I've seen the original and Ben. I like both those. Yeah, it's Chris uh, McGlover again. Yeah. And uh, that should be it for Deadmau. I always wish that he did a lot more horror movies, man. Because you ever see that when Simon says that he did? No. Good. It actually wasn't bad. Like his performance is great in it. I just watched Rivers Edge last week again, and he's fucking he's awesome. Fucking in that movie. fantastic in that movie. Oh, I haven't and seen Rivers Edge forever, man. It's, Dennis it's, Hopper is one of his best roles in that movie. Yeah, it's one oh, I got to pick know. up. Didn't Kino Classics release that? Yeah. 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 So I, I should grab that Blu-ray. Oh, you should grab right. it soon. Some of the stuff's going out of print. Yeah, I know. Fakino just releases so much stuff, though. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Daniel Roebuck in that, when he like he robs the uh, liquor store, or the yeah. gas station or whatever, and then Dennis Hopper walks up on concern. Do you have any Bud Light in the bottles? No, he's like, you got any uh, Bud and cans or something? Bud and bottles? <laughs> Bud and bottles. <laughs> <laughs> he's all, dude. And then the best dialogue in that movie is when he's like, yeah, I killed her. He's like, did you love her? She's all right. <laughs> She's okay because Dennis Hopper killed his woman for like a crime, a, a crime of passion. Yeah, he can't understand Daniel Roebuck. That's a great film. <laughs> awesome. All right, that's Dead Mail. Yep. All right, so that is Dead Mail. Hey yo, it's about that time for the Twenty Two Shots crew to get buck wild and do what we do. You got that fatty in hand, so throw us a few. And we gon' hit your ass up with a bonus review. Yeah! Alrighty, so getting into the bonus review here on episode 190. It is a Patreon pick coming from... Jeremy, do you know who this is coming from? My God, I'm so bad at this. Uh, I just realized I did not actually put the name down. (laughs) Tom Brooker. Tom Brooker. There you go. Uh, and it's a film from 1990 called The Reflecting Skin. Um, yeah, buddy. This is actually a movie that Jeremy sent me years ago on DVD because uh, I'd never seen it. So kind of a little bit of history. I do have the Blu-ray now. Do you guys have the Blu-ray of this? I have the Canadian Blu-ray and a German Blu-ray. Nice. I had the Echo Bridge DVD, but I know it's on Blu-ray now. I have that DVD as well. Yeah, fired, that, that's the one that you sent me. Yeah, I got to say, yeah, the Blu-ray, man. Oof, I wish cool. I didn't send you freaks on Blu-ray. That fucking thing is like 100 bucks now. I know, right? It goes for crazy <laughs> I money. Like, I was like, God damn it. Which freaks? Do you know the Todd Browning? Yeah, no, no. no. Freak. Yeah, freak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah but that, I have that Blu-ray too, The um, but Alex by Winter. Alex Winter. But yeah. what, I mean, it has all the features cut out, so you got to keep your DVD anyways from Anchor Bay. Yeah, I never had that. I know, a, I'm just saying yeah. it's like going for like 80 bucks now. <laughs> I have both. I have both for some reason. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, so let's get into a quick little synopsis here. The Reflecting Skin 1990. Uh, in the 1950s, a young boy living with his troublesome family in a rural USA fantasizes that a neighboring widow is actually a vampire responsible for a number of disappearances in the area. I mean, okay, whatever. You know what this, can I say something? Yep, go ahead. This movie reminded me a lot of Afraid of the Dark from 91. It has very similar kind of idea here where we see uh, 
through the eyes of a child and what he perceives is happening yep. in the world and what's not really real and what's really happening. That's very similar to yeah. Afraid of the Dark from 91. Afraid of the Dark, has, it has more of kind of a blatant idea because of the whole glasses thing, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but uh, one, there's definitely a weird... I don't even want to call it. Is it a coming of age story? I think it is. Like, I mean, I don't really, I don't really consider it a horror movie to be honest. You know, this this is one of those kind of strange things, and I agree, Dave, because you know when you look at this movie, it does feel like a coming of age film. It feels like a romance yeah. at times, like a romantic drama almost with the brother and the, and the neighbor, and then it feels like it Days feels of like, heaven. It feels like a gothic. It feels at times it could be gothic. Southern gothic. But South- it's even in the South, it's probably the Midwest. Yeah. Iowa? Iowa, right? I know. I mean, really, the first thing you see when you see this, like, this imagery, this rural setting is, like, kind of a... It has this American Gothic type feel, this Southern kind of Gothic tale. That. kind of. It's definitely that. And it's got, you know... It is really strange. So it kind of has this horror feel to it with this really odd atmosphere and shit. So it has all these different types of elements in this movie that you can kind of decide what you want it to be yourself, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's... The- um, it, it's just such a weird film. Like every t- I've watched Reflecting Skin three or four times. Now I, I actually talked about this one in my 1990 What series because a lot of people had never heard of this, and I thought maybe you'd get out there kind of thing. And um, you know, the first thing I noticed with a film like this is the contrast is like super amazing in this movie because what we see visually, you know, you see this, you know, this beautiful kind of yellow wheat setting, you know, in this rural area where this area to most people is kind of, it's like a good area, you know, nothing evil should be happening in these type of rural areas and stuff like the evil and all those bad things usually happen in the city and, you know, with lots of people around and stuff. And it it gives that appeal to you that like everything, David Lynch effect. It is, it is, it has everything making you seem like everything should be all right. But then it has this really, really, really dark narrative to it in so many different elements. Like this little boy who lives in this house and his mom is obviously very abusive, not only towards him, but yeah. his father too. And yeah, his yeah. father has, but his this... father's a pervert though. Well, that's the oh, thing. No, he's, a he's not actually, it's complicated. It's, it's way more complicated. It's implied. Than that. They, they say... I don't think that they went into it enough. I think that was yeah. one thing that they could have went into a little bit because it's all of a sudden just implied that his father was kissing boys and may have molested little boys and does, but it's not really proven. Because I, I later, feel like that probably well, I just happened feel like 25 like, years ago when he yeah. was around probably like 25 and the kid was 17, which is still gross. But in the 40s, it's different. But also it shows this this disgust in the small town, how they're completely unable to accept anybody different. Well, yeah, but what do you think that translates to the, the, the people in the black Cadillac? I mean, there, there has to be some kind of uh, connection between because they're they're rapists and killers that's what i got out of it at least that they're kidnapping kids and raping them and killing them i don't know so, if people don't even believe that the people in the cadillac are real yeah see i i could i mean see but that's what that. i was that but that was i was gonna say is it a figment of the kid's imagination because his father did this to him so he 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 has suppressed this that father this never time. molested that kid no, no. I think it's I think never the, even suggested. I can see the where people abused. Yeah, I can the see where people been shut down by the mother. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I can see he's why gay. people the would think that. The father's gay. And he's stuck in a marriage that he has no love, and the mother's mad about it. Yeah, I can see where people are coming from with uh, you know believing that the black car isn't actually real. But I think there is there is evidence there is evidence in the movie that they're actually they yeah. are physical people and stuff. Because I mean, there's a point in the film where they actually get their vehicle filled up from the little boy right in front of the you know. And there's other points in the film where they're they're definitely physical people. You know, this, it's not it's not correct. a hallucinary. Really interesting because he was an artist. Movies. Yeah, and all his movies are uh, have very really 
focused on the looks of them. He based this movie off paintings, like Midwest paintings he saw with the bright blue skies and a, yeah. the golden fields. And he obviously wanted to make something dark and something beautiful and rural. And uh, he also mentioned that this movie is basically about this kid finally learning how to have emotions and feel. So I think there's that scene where the guy in the Cadillac originally sees the kid and he says, what's your name? And he talks to him. It almost seems like he's talking to him in a certain way, like he's like, like he knows that there's something off with this kid. Because this, this kid is kind of like a, a sociopath, to be honest. He doesn't have emotions like other people. He he's not bothered by the the gross things, and he's a bad influence on his other friends. And he that, just doesn't understand things like other people. So when he interacts with that guy in the Cadillac, I feel like the guy in the Cadillac sees maybe himself in him. I think it's a I think it's a direct result of the abuse that he suffered as a child, yeah. not like maybe physically, but his mother is so mentally and physically abusing and stuff that he it's yeah. kind of created this you know this i wouldn't say monster in him but he it's created almost like a sociopathic mind state yeah you know and because he, he doesn't reflect any he doesn't uh, enact any emotions that well, happen all that fucked up shit he doesn't but, even he just doesn't get emotional the setting also contributes to him being very naive too he lives in a rural area where everything yeah. is very kind of everything is suppressed and stuff and everything's factual and matter and everybody's like, religious and religious and you know you got the sheriff who's the goofiest fucking character in this movie like he's missing <laughs> yeah. he's, he's got a fucked up hand he's missing an eye and shit but this guy's dead set on the father doing these murders even yeah. after the fact there's this really horrific scene in this film where the father gets accused of something and he can't take it anymore because it's been years yeah. and years of like mental abuse yeah. on him and stuff and he he literally drinks gas lights himself on fire in front of his little boy and dies but later on in the but film he, there's a point he, where another another murder happens and the cop is still hell bent and hell you know he's still convinced that you know the father has done these crimes and shit and it's like what the fuck is going on like it's this really strange lynchian type characters in this movie and going back to the contrast here like what we see is so beautiful in this dark narrative but it comes off very very david lynch man it's just i love it man the contrast is what really sells this movie because it 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 fucking sucks you in so much because like for me one of the things I always complain about movies is, you know, sometimes they run too long and you, you have to, you have to suggest that the running time is too long. In this one, I, I could have watched another 30, 40 minutes of this movie. It's so intriguing to me. I feel like it just could have kept going, man, and start going into different territories and explaining things and stuff. And there's a lot of symbolism in this film too. I mean, everything with symbolism, it's, it's always kind of up to interpretation too, unless there's direct symbolism to do with, you know, frogs and things. There's a scene in the beginning with the, with this frog, which is really fucking bizarre. Cause it's like the opening scene in the film where these kids, but this is also, again, the direct result of kids living yeah. in a rural area that don't really have a lot to do. Remember this is 1950s. There's no video games. There's no iPads. There's no internet shit like that. The kids used to play outside. Remember those fucking days? I do. They were fun. Um, but, uh, yeah. So what they do for fun is they, they put a straw up a, a frog's ass and blow it up. And then it literally, and I got to say the slingshot shot with the, with the rock that blows up the, <laughs> that blows up the fucking frog is hilarious. It's not, it's like, I don't know. It's not supposed to be funny. I don't think, but. But anyway, I think it's supposed to be uh, ridiculous because you yeah. think the kids are just playing with frogs and then they just do this horrible fucking act right off the bat where you're like, fuck these kids. Exactly. Well, you, exactly. But there is there is symbolism with the frog, though. I can't remember. Frogs are yeah. very there's a lot of symbolism with frogs and stuff. I'm not really too into that type of stuff, but there well, is the frogs are at Baskin. Remember all the frogs in Baskin that symbolize that they were part of like the switch over to hell. Exactly, exactly, and and I'm, but I don't know if it's the same. Well, I, I've always read that frogs mean different things, like in reality to dreams and and all this type of thing. I don't know, so I just feel I just like there's something it, there. I just find it so interesting that Dolphin was so good to our main character, 
she was so kind of nice to him. And then the next day, he goes back and he's like, let's trash it. His kid's a sociopath. I just think that just shows you his upbringing and, and his his connection to his emotions. And, and he never has felt good in his life and kindness and careness. So when he gets it, he doesn't know he how to no react conscience. to it. He's, he's a direct result of, again, going back to the abuse, you know, the mental and physical abuse, you know, and, you know, obviously not having a very stable father and, and having a mother that he's scared of and shit. Like, he just kind of does what he wants. And, and going back to the frog thing, that's a direct result of him not giving a fuck, right? He just, like, blew up a huge frog, right, without his, even caring. His father is Ed Gein type. He's reading those dumb pulp novels like Ed Gein used yeah. to read and completely delusional. And he just keeps – he's just – you know, he's a, he's a pushover. He, he's like – just an outsider he's like clearly you know has a homosexual that was just trapped in a bad spot and just had to conform yeah absolutely i love that scene too where the the kid kind of rolls up on his dad and he's like what are you reading kind of thing and he's reading this book about vampires and and he explains to his son you know what vampires are and you know what they do they they drink blood and that makes them live forever and you know blah 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 and of course that gets into his head being a you know a very naive nine ten year old boy who's never heard of this he believes it he completely 100 percent believes it. he ends up having this kind of this pulp novel or comic book of this vampire story whatever and the woman on the cover of this uh, book slash magazine whatever it is looks exactly like his neighbor dolphin so he 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 automatically assumes that she is a vampire and and it leads to him doing some fucked up shit in her house and stuff and and her and him totally believing that she's a vampire and and i like this development because it's just that disconnect with reality right you know it's just it's just so unbelievably prevalent that you know he's just willing to believe this shit and do whatever and stuff it's just it's almost fucking scary like that's the horror in it killers have the fantasy you know that fantasy element where they don't see reality the same way you know? yeah well actually you know okay going back to the little kid and his mental mindset i mean he does come off as very much like a sociopath kind of he just he's almost incapable of understanding what reality is and there's there's a bunch of scenes in this film where you know he kind of unearths a uh, like a mummified baby and he essentially starts talking to this thing like it's talking back to him like he's having conversations yeah. with this thing and stuff he thinks this is reincarnated friend who died yep. yeah and like he, he just he just assumes that right it's that's weird like, they never really like talk about what this thing is and where it comes from that's kind of just like i think push, it's honestly push, somebody didn't want a baby or it was a stillborn and they just ditched it there see okay and it's been mummified that's been my question is it is it a real baby or is it is it a figment of his imagination that he just developed this you know because let's face it some people with mental illnesses they see things they talk to people that aren't there you know maybe this was his way of kind of disconnecting from the reality that he thinks he knows on smells in his room i can't remember did Vigo Morganson, when he went in his room, notice a smell or anything? I don't think so. Think. The only time they ever talk about smells is when he mentions the, the kid about the yeah. gas. They always smell like gas, so maybe they couldn't smell the dead baby in the room. That's and, what, I and, mean. and that's what I'm assuming, yeah, because gas is very overpowering, too. Um, but, I mean, I assume it was there physically. It was somebody that ditched his baby. I mean, it kind of makes sense back in those days because, you know, yeah. that's kind of – it's just – it was different back in those People used to do fucked up shit with abortions and stuff, hide that stuff. and Yeah. Um. But yeah, I know that's that's a really interesting development in the movie. I mean, that kind of gives it, you know, it's straight horror appeal right there where he's talking and doing some obviously ill-minded stuff. You know what part really is really kind of disturbing? There's a couple parts that get to me that are real emotional. When Dolphin talks about her age, how old do you think I am? Mm-hmm. But the one the one that gets me is when Vigo talks about the story where he's in a uh, war and they had the nuclear stuff and he's he's the baby had the reflecting skin. 
Yeah. And he starts asking the questions, and like Vigo starts to get annoyed answering them. But you could tell, like right away, like this family is just cursed because he obviously is sick. Yeah, yeah he's not getting modeling? he's not getting old. He's just sick yeah. from the nuclear yeah, stuff. He's got radiation. Yeah, that's that's why yeah. his hair is falling out. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you're not watching close, you're probably not putting those things together. But yeah, of course. You know, the kid thinks it's because the vampire is feeding on his blood and stuff and he finds hair in his comb and things like that. And I, I, I kind of wish that they went into a little bit more because, you know, the brothers ob- or the little boy is obviously terrified that his older brother that he looks up to is seeing this uh, this vampire character in Dolphin and stuff. And I wish they had have gone into that a little bit more because there is times where he mentions and he obviously acts like he does not want them together and stuff like that. But that's his only person. You know, he's possessive of his brother because he's yeah. the only one that's ever been there for him. Yeah, and I, I wish they had a con- went into that a little bit more. You know, it, it seems like a little bit laid back in the narrative, but you know, it is what it is, man. Says that to his dad on the at his funeral. He says, "You never had a chance." That's what Miko says to his dad. Mm-hmm. Never stood a chance. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, going back to the symbolism in this film, I, I mean, the, the the symbolism with the black, what is it, Chev? I, I don't even remember what kind of car it is in the film. I think it's Cadillac. Is, is it a Cad- Cadillac? It is. Yeah, oh, that's a 50, so. 50-something Cadillac, yeah. Um, obviously, it's symbolizing death because these guys are rolling around, literally killing yeah. people, which, they, again, they don't really go into. I mean, these are obviously just three kind of late teen, early 20 people that are just knocking off kids. And, you know, the weird thing about that whole part of the narrative is that they're doing it so blatantly too. It's broad daylight. They're picking up these kids and, and shit's going down and stuff. And they're obviously molesters slash murderers because yeah. there's this really uncomfortable scene actually when they pull up in their black Cadillac too. And he touches his chin. That's why I thought yeah. they were perverts. Yeah. They like, he touched his face. I was like, yeah. And it's really, really uncomfortable. Like the kid is, you know, filling up the vehicle and he's like, Hey, you know, you, he says something to him and he kind of touches his face in this really awkward way and shit. But but going more into that, there's a scene later in the film where one of his he actually sees one of his friends. I think it's Kim. I, I can't uh, remember the, little, the redhead kid. The, the little redhead kid. Anyways, he's walking down the the road with this American flag and stuff. And anyways, this black Cadillac pulls up on them, and he actually witnesses the abduction. And later, he is found dead. And but he never says anything. He, well, ne- he doesn't have the emotions. I, I don't know. Like it, it's hard to tell what he's actually well, thinking. See, that's the thing that confuses me about the movie is that this kid does come off very emotionless, sociopathic and stuff, but he has the raw emotion to save his brother against his vampire. Like he cares enough in that aspect. But he cares about himself. I think he cares about himself, but like why, if you saw somebody get pulled into a car and you know, like he knows d- the direct result of what's going to happen here. Right, because he knows these guys are fucked up and stuff. He's not like retarded or anything, but he doesn't say anything to anybody. And he quite clearly witnessed—he didn't witness the crime, or he witnessed the abduction, not the murder. But it's just kind of an odd development in the film. It's like scared of him too. I think. I I think that might be what it is. That's kind of what I conclude. Maybe he's too scared to say anything. Maybe he felt like he had no one to say anything to because maybe he felt like his brother wasn't gonna wasn't really gonna listen to him because he's too caught up in his relationship and stuff. And his mom is obviously mentally gone after the father has been dead. He's got really nobody. He doesn't trust the sheriff because the sheriff freaks him out because the sheriff blames his father even though he's deceased six feet under for these current murders. He does on purpose. Yeah, the last one he does on purpose, and he finally feels that direct result of what he did. I don't know. It's almost like he wants these bad things to happen so he can have some sort of emotion. At the end, he finally does have a huge breakdown. Well, I think it's because he saw what, how his brother reacted to it. He and was all. I, I think, think there's there also everything in him. Finally, there, he snapped. There's a everything. moment of clarity. There's a moment of clarity there because I think he may have realized that, oh shit, Dolphin couldn't have been a vampire because she died. 
I think it was a, a reason that he realized that he is responsible for all these things that have happened and he's done nothing. Yep. Like everything that's happened, he finally had that breakdown. It all hit him at one time. And maybe I know this sounds weird, but maybe he actually will turn out okay because he actually has remorse at this point. You know he, what? And he's angry. I think he's also expecting to die though, too, because there's this very, very great line in the end of the movie, really haunting shit, man. When the guy driving the black Cadillac asks the kid, if he, if he wants a ride. Yeah. And he doesn't say no. He says not yet. I think that's a very, very key and pivotal moment in the film, man. He, yeah. what kind of kid would say not yet? In it's that also situ- a kid learning about death too. Yeah, he doesn't say no. Get the fuck out of. Here. He says not yet. Like maybe one day it's going to come. Right. I think there's a lot in there. Maybe over my head, but I just I've noticed that a couple times I watched. It, I'm like, man, it just gives me the chills when he says not yet. It's crazy. Have you, just, have you guys seen his other movies like uh, The Passion of Darkly Noon and Heartless? I have seen, Heartless. seen Heartless. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't remember Heartless that well. I actually Pretty when good. I it's when I seen good. Heartless, I didn't even realize it was the same director. I won't lie. Yeah, but I share some similarities. Like I do think like. And then uh, Passion of Darkly Noon is pretty interesting too. And I know it's not as as most popular, but it also has like the huge contrast and the the religious aspect. And and Brandon Fraser is like a kind of a religious shut in and escape from a cult. And he doesn't see things the same way. And V goes in it. It's it's a pretty good movie. This mm-hmm. one I think is his best. Yeah, yeah. Heartless is his next best, I think. So I will mention that uh, the kid's younger or the kid's older brother in the movie is played by Viggo Mortensen. He's very young. Yeah, he's this, in it. It's got to be one of his first movies, I would assume. Maybe not. I wouldn't is say this, bigger movies, but. Is this before? Prison is his first, probably, that we would know him from, 88. Right? Yeah, yeah, Prison. probably one of his. Yeah, because this is 1990. I mean, he wasn't really. He's I, in I, Young Guns, too, as well. Is he in Young? Oh, fuck, man. I haven't seen it. Yeah, he's the guy who says, time to take your medicine, boy. But again, <laughs> again, you know, like one is kind of. I wouldn't say bigger roles, but, you know, it's a role that gets out there, but. I mean, when did Vigo actually become big? Well, I'm wondering why his breakthrough movie, Lord of the Rings. Is it probably Lord of the Rings? Yeah, I guess, right? Shit. Yeah, hmm. That's that's his big one. Because yeah. I know he went on to work with Cronenberg and Eastern Promises and shit. Um, I always remember and from that shit. And he was in Appaloosa, which is a pretty good Western from... He's, he's great in that movie. Appaloosa is yeah. actually surprisingly good for a modern Western, yeah. 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 He's got a good cast, though. That helps. Yeah. I kind of like Vigo though, man. He's kind of a he's kind of got this odd kind of cadence about him that I, I that I like. You know, he comes off it's as underrated. being kind of, he kind of comes off as being a an asshole in like almost every role for some reason. Maybe it's just his cadence, but I don't know what it is, man. But I don't know. He always comes down as he's like kind of smug and smart. Yeah, this yeah. I, I think know. he's a smart guy in real life. He probably is. Seems like he would be. Yeah. Always liked him. But yeah, man, uh, the reflecting skin, it's, it's a movie that is to me, it's kind of unclassifiable. It's kind of like, you know, again, if that doesn't make sense to you, just think David Lynch, it's not as David Lynchy as a no. David Lynch movie, but it has those elements, you know, it has this odd contrast and has this dark subject matter with, you know, just very subtle things that are going on and a lot of symbolism and just oddness. Um, I think it's a fantastic movie, man. I, I really, really do. And again, you know, I don't say it very often where I finish a movie and go, fuck, I wish there was more to it. You know, maybe some people might disagree with me, but I always get really sucked into this narrative and I just want to explore more things. And it's, it's just a beautiful looking film. And I'm glad that he did that in the fucking flatlands of Alberta because those wheat fields are crazy. They look they awesome. Had to spray but paint some of them actually. To he make did them brighter. Yeah. He yeah. literally actually painted them. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's kind of a 
odd little thing to do, but he definitely did it. Um, but yeah, so you guys have anything else? Anything else? Jeremy, you got anything else on it? I know you really Mm -hmm. wanted to talk about this one. I'm sure you have something else. I really wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Not really. I never want to talk about anything. I'm just joking. No, I, I, it's a fan. It's a good movie. I don't think it's as fantastic as you guys think it is, but I still really enjoy it. I think it's a, a little slow at some points. I think the the little kid does a really fantastic job. I think that's kind of something that's missing in today's movies are really solid kid actors, and I think that he was really good in this movie. He 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 wasn't too annoying like a lot of kid actors, but um, yeah, like you said, it's a beautiful movie has a days of heaven kind of feel to it. I think a lot of people connect that movie to this movie it has similar cinematography as that film, but um, I, I've always liked it. I've, I've seen it a couple times now and uh, it's, it's pretty good. I, w- I would put it, I'd say it's hard enough to include in a top 10 and 90, but there's nineties real actually kind of a strong year for the nineties, but I'd say dark drama, fantasy, and then horror. Yeah, I mean, I put this in the same kind of categories, um, like a Lynch movie, because it's a little bit more horror oriented than Lynch, because yeah. it is about like murderers and and possible weird fantastic elements and a serial killer. He's kind of you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's as horror as Don't Torture a Duckling, right? For sure, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Lynch's movies vary. I mean, Inland Empire to me just freaks me out. There's something about that atmosphere in that film that just fucking... It's got one of the greatest scares ever, too. Have you ever seen Inland Empire before? No, no. Oh, my God, man. It's such a fucking bizarre, weird movie. But, yeah. Anyways, that atmosphere is not to be fucked with. It's. I mean, I, people don't classify it as a horror film. I don't know what you would. I don't even I'd know if it is. I'd put Eraserhead as horror. Eraserhead's yeah. a horror movie. Oh, That's yeah. a horror movie. Yeah, it's just uh, straight bizarre imagery, for sure. Yeah. Um. So, ratings. Who wants to go first? Jeremy, why don't you go first? Uh, eight out of ten. Uh, Dave, I, I was fighting where I wanted to go eight and a half or nine, so it's tough for me. This is a second time watch. Uh, eight and a half. It could go up though. Yeah, I'm at a nine. I really, really enjoy this movie. So, but it just has everything I like, man. So. But again, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where I just, I find myself thinking about it after and being like, I, w- I wish this was explored more. I wish this and this, you know, it's a lot of times. the director made more movies. Yeah, yeah, man, for sure. Philip Ridley. I think he only did the three directed features, so. I think this one, I think this one left a bad taste in his mouth because like, you know, it was a theatrical release film that was not pulled, but it, it was out of theaters very, very quick. And, you know, he found himself defending this movie because there was people that liked it and others that were so disgusted in the you know, in the content in the movie and stuff. And he just, I, I think that he just, honestly, the way I see it is that he just got sick of, you know, fucking having to explain himself over the movie and shit like that, that it probably maybe did but something he, to his, his mentality. And he just like, fuck making movies. 2006 though. Part People were disgusted from this, but they sat through naked lunch. That makes no fucking sense to me. <laughs> naked lunch. Oh yeah, man. The, um, that was probably not that was, the same people. Naked Lunch is fucking great, man. The, the guy that um, where that's based on the book that's based off of. Oh man, it's trippy ass shit, dude. But uh, yeah, man. So reflecting skin, um, that's a good one. It's a good film. Yeah, buddy.
feature presentation. Yo, who this? Yo, Moods, it's your boy, the ill-mented funky child, calling you to remind you that the featured reviews on this episode contain spoilers. Aw, oh, yeah, man, that's right, brother. Thanks for the heads up, player. Now go back to being an unproductive asshole. Fuck you. I tell your listeners to stop being so dumb, silly, sensitive. Yeah. All right, so getting into the featured reviews here on episode 190, and this is a directory, uh, a director's spotlight, I'm going to say, um, from, how do you pronounce his name? <laughs> I fought, I had to do it last week, so you got to do it this week. Uh, Yoshiki Kawajiri? All right, Kawajiwa. I don't know. Really not great with uh, with Japanese names. They're just too many I's and J's. Yeah. <laughs> it's just hard to pronounce. Um, yeah, so first up is the 1988 horror anime film called Demon City Shinjuku. Synopsis. A young warrior must finish what his father started by battling his way through a city of demons and defeat a diabolical psychic who has opened a portal to hell. So this one right here is, um, it's a very, very basic story. You know, I just, I just feel like they didn't explore the demons idea that much. I mean, there's a couple like creatures, but it's not like fully fleshed out. Like the two later films that we're going to talk about. I just feel like, like you said, it's very basic and they, they had this idea of having like this, town of you know demons being run over by demons and i don't really feel like they show that many cool demons i mean there's a couple but i think that they're trying to expand the demon city so well, if well, he would have succeeded there would have been more demons yeah that's exactly. i mean he they mentioned he only has a, a group of three villains yeah and i'm a sucker for villain teams and all three of these movies are full of demon villain teams yeah, with special yeah. powers yeah, it's so just it's, like x-rated x-men i, I kind of love it yeah, so Shinjuku, Shinjuku is uh, kind of like on the outskirts of Tokyo. And um, basically, yeah, he only has a few uh, demons in there. And that's why Got he it. kind of resurrects 10 years later. And his goal is to fully take over Shinjuku, which yep. will turn into, you know, Demon City, which is kind of Demon City right now. But it's in yeah, shambles. So like expand to like everywhere, I think. Yeah. So, you know, and of course, the, you know, the backstory with this is that... Um, you know, we get a little bit of story. That's the thing with this movie. There's not really a lot of development within, you know, characters and, and backstory, but they do give you a little bit in the beginning where, um, this, the, our hero of our film here, his father actually has a battle with, um, uh, with the demon. What's his name? I don't even know. I don't really know. Rebby Ra. He's like a sorceress, right? Or yeah, yeah. something so, like that. So Rebby Ra is the, is the main demon villain in this movie. And basically what he did in the backstory is he actually kind of sold his soul to the evil forces kind of hell to, to gain powers, to beat, um, you know, this, this kid's father in a, in a fight and stuff like, like that. Trained with him. So they had a history. Yeah. So they had a history, but you know, he felt like the father was, you know, he had really good powers and stuff like that, but he needed more. So he sold his soul to become kind of like this, this head demon and stuff. Anyways, he ends up killing the father and kind of succeeding in what he needed to do. So 10 years later, his son now doesn't know that it's his destiny and, you know, he has to rise up and fight against Rebi Ra to, to make sure that the, 
the portal doesn't get fully opened and it expands into you know fucking full blown demons. Father's city. name, but, but wasn't it funny when like they were like, "Your father's dead." He's like, "Oh, is he?" Yeah, that's <laughs> what. Even give I feel like his father's been gone for ten years, so he was like, "Yeah, I wrote that guy off a long time ago." Right. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, dude, you're old enough to go fight against this like this demon, or this this devil demon or whatever, and you don't like. That whole thing with his father was bizarre. I'm like, dude, you're like, what, 20 years old? You would have been old enough to remember your father. And he's like, my father died. <laughs> what the fuck? It was so weird to me, man. I, was, I thought the same thing. But I'm the like, whole plot, it, it, it matches Ninja Scroll, too, where it's like this old guy who's like, well, I have to protect the president. And he's in this. So you got to go. And then he ends up protecting the woman who's the president's son, yeah, uh, daughter. What exactly is he? Is he like a sorcerer that was just kind of like taken upon himself to protect the president? Because I know the daughter in the or the girl in the film or in the movie is uh, the president's daughter, which comes to the son to. Yeah, you know, I think the old guy was the one who trained everybody, and he's like he was protecting the president. Okay, so he's anyways, trained everybody. Yeah, so and she, the bad guy too. He trained the bad guy too. Yeah, so she comes to Koya or whatever his name is, and then yeah. says, "Hey, you're the chosen one. This is your destiny, kind of thing to to protect our city." Which I I, I do kind of like where they kind of go with the story of the city because once yeah. once uh, Rebby Rock kind of took it over and stuff, it became like this like literal hellhole, and everybody that was human in the city became like bad. Like everyone was just like junkies and thieves and shit, and everyone just did like shady shit and stuff. I kind of also I, I think people went there to become like criminals because they could get away with it. Exactly because the whole city was literally in shambles, right? So you but, could just kind of get away with that shit. There's that real weird character who's just sticking around that's kind of like an anarchist that wants to... He doesn't even know he's about the Spanish, there. Just the, the Spanish guy? Well, I watched the dub, and he was Spanish on the dub, so... Yeah. I watched the uh, Japanese version. Yeah, no, I watched... Uh, yeah, this one was subtitled for myself, too, so... Yeah, um, I watched what was on Prime. It was the dubbed version, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I had the, the download, whatever I, the fuck it was, but... I try to prefer the... the um, Me, too. Um, but... I like them in Japanese, usually. Yeah, you know, with, with animes, I found it doesn't really bother me. And like, honestly, with a regular film, like I'll watch the native language every single time over dub, unless it's a Godzilla film, because the dubs always kill me. There's so much fucking fun. <laughs> I but, actually do like Godzilla 1985 better than Return of Godzilla. <laughs> me too, man. Um, but with these ones, you know, it doesn't really matter to me, man, the, the dubs or whatever, because I mean, the first time I see Ninja Scroll was in English. And uh, I've always watched in English just because that's the way I originally saw it, you know, Um so the English dub doesn't really bother me, but with Demon City, again, you know, it was in Japanese, didn't really bother me. But Well, they just add, like, a, there's a lot of fucks that I've read that was just added from the English that wasn't in the Japanese. And the English dub, they say fuck a lot of the time. So mm. it's just you? Pretty much. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, because I don't remember any swearing in this movie, to be honest, but... Yeah, um, there's no, I mean, like, I, I guess I probably would be cussing a lot, too, if I saw all that scorpion monster. Right. The most terrifying creature in the whole fuck, all three of the movies was that scorpion dude. He was the most badass too. Doesn't this movie just play no, out I like, like the, I like the dog werewolf in Blood Hunter D. Uh, yeah, he was cool. okay, but dude, this scorpion thing was horrifying. Shadow scorpion, and mm-hmm. like he has the mouth on his stomach, and he can fucking go in shadows and eats eats everybody. That old lady. She's like, oh, yeah, the, the demons are cool, man. <laughs> this movie plays out like a fucking video game to me, man. You know, you kind of get this backstory and then you got to go and fight like these lesser, these lesser I feel demons like bosses like that. just to get That's to like the so main, fun. to your so main the boss, man, though. right? So is the running man's a video game too. And so is total recall. Yeah. I mean, there's I gotta so, beat the guy in the drill. There's so many, right? I mean, you know, the, you know, this movie has a really, it has really great atmosphere and actually the music in this is really good too. And I love this type of animation, like the late eighties kind of, you know, animated animation. It's fucking great man 
just looks awesome. But I love the city. It kind of looks in shambles and shit. But the music is awesome. It, it sounds very, it almost has like this Italian synth to it, which I really enjoyed. Music was great. Um, I, I love the music too. The one I complaint know. I do have with this, you know, it's, it is what it is, man. There's, there's a little bit of a love story again. I don't really care about that. I mean, there's a little bit of uh, anime titties. Which is cool. It's your Jerry. Not like the last one. Jeremy Not Jer- like the next one. Oh yeah, yeah. Ninja Scroll has that ridiculous rape scene. <laughs> I think the Anna, the love story is best in Ninja Scroll. I think that one works the best. Yeah, yeah. For, well, for sure, for sure, it's very. Yeah, we'll get to that. But uh, this is not believable in the last one. This one, oh man, this one right here. I'm just like, whatever. It is what it is. But the thing that bugs me about this movie is the fucking end battle is so short. Like, it just seems like he battled way harder and longer against, like, the lesser monsters and demons and The shit. scorpion was the toughest. Yeah, and then he It goes, always happens in the movies. The first bad guy is always the toughest. Yeah, and then he fights Rebby Ra, and it's like, it was fucking over in, like, literally 10 seconds. Well, I was like, what the... dad's sword. I get it. I get it. And he, wasn't that, like, such a He-Man moment, too? <laughs> I, I was just I waiting for him to say, the battles I have the power! <laughs> they just have, like, one swipe. Like, it's just like a game of chess, and it's just like you move wrong, and then you're done. And, like, it, it's just that I, expertise. It's just, but it, I feel like every final battle in all three of these movies are like that. I, where it's just like, I just find it so ironic. Like, this guy is so removed from his father, didn't even know he was died and shit, and then it's like he just gets this power from him. It's like, you shouldn't even be allowed to have that power, motherfucker. You didn't even have any respect for your dad. <laughs> didn't even know he was dead. Actually, I think the last battle is the toughest. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't really know what else to say about it, to be honest. Man. I mean, I really like this one. This is probably one of my favorites of the bunch. It, it's fun. It's it's a very basic premise type thing. It's it's literally just fight probably monsters. Favorite another three. Kill, kill the big demon. I mean, it it's kind of a you know turn your brain off type thing because it, you know what I like about this movie though too. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It runs like eighty minutes. It gets to the point. And it's take just note, movies. Take it, note. It just it does what it needs to do. It never. It just runs a perfect length, in my opinion. But yeah, the music it really kept me in, and I was like, yeah, this is fucking groovy, man. I'm like thinking Italian kind of influence to it and shit. And it's awesome. We got that snake lady too. There's always like a tentacle person or snake villain in all these movies, and <laughs> yep. then there's like the shadow character too in all these movies. Like there's the Dude. one in this one that goes in the water, and then the next one we have the shadow guy, and then the last one we have the other shadow guy. There's always like a, and then the the, the first the, one has the lady one who have, blends into Dude, the tentacles is a big too. part of Japanese culture, like you know that yeah. type of shit. So you're always going to see that type of shit in these movies, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I like it though. Yeah, yeah, it is good. It gets man. me hard. What? Get you hard? <laughs> what would you say, Jeremy? Get you are you sick? I didn't say anything, bro. Yeah, you did. I, I mean, I I've said enough retarded things last week to last me a lifetime, so I I'm, I'm going to not say that many retarded things today, so Th- this one definitely wasn't the goriest out of I mean, Ninja Scroll probably takes that cake, but this but Ninja one... D- or, or uh Blood whatever is not that bloody either. Yeah, surprisingly it isn't, man, considering how many you know, there's a lot of battles in that film. You think it would yeah. be, but this one has a couple moments, you know, with blends, but it's not like Ninja Scroll. Ninja Scroll, I think from top to bottom is just like, it's gory and it's got crazy shit all over the place. But there's one really cool scene in this, in this film where he kind of gets sucked down into this like underwater world type thing. That's awesome. That's a that fucking great scene, man. I thought that was really cool. So did you guys like the little kid on the fucking like robot? Yes. Was he like- he's my, he's my favorite character. He reminded yeah. me of JP. Why? I don't know, because he was a fucking he, scumbag. He was, he was like a little hood? Yeah, he was a little hood and a little scumbag-ish. Was he like, he's like, is it though? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, yeah. 
Is it um, though? I like when you watch these movies, you see, like, these just oddball, you know, I mean, they're obviously normal to Japanese people and stuff in their culture, but you, you get to see, like, all the little trinkets and, like, weird shit that they, I'm sure it's not exactly to reality and stuff, but with the money dispenser thing, when they put the money in and shit, I was like, what the fuck is that? It just, it seemed very odd to me. Well, it looked like a laser player. It was just so weird the way they did that, and I was like, that's so Japanese. I love it. It's great. So, um... Yeah, man. Uh, that's what I got on Demon City Shinjuku. Ratings? Uh, Dave, you can go. Eight and a half as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm in at eight, on, eight out of ten on this one. I thoroughly enjoyed it, man. It's just, uh, just kind of no nonsense. It's great. I'm in at a seven. Cool, cool, man. Um... Yeah, I was thinking. I wasn't really sure where where were we where we were going to all line up on this, but that's uh, interesting. We're all the same. Yeah, I mean, I guess all right. Cool. All right, so that is uh, Demon City Shinjuku from 1988. What's your destination, stranger? No place in particular. I'm looking for someone, and you look exactly like him. I'm a vagabond named Jubei Kibagami. All right, moving into the 90s, specifically 1993 with uh, Ninja Scroll. This was actually the very first anime film I'd ever seen before. I saw it probably in the mid-90s, 95, 96, I want to say, VHS. My buddy was really into this type of stuff, and he showed it to me, and I was like, oh, that's really fucking cool. I was actually kind of taken back by it, by some of the scenes and some of the gore and shit. I was like, fuck, are all animes like this? Sign me up. Never watched anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing is, like, every anime I watched, I'm like, that was great. I loved it. And then, like, I go to watch something. It's like, should I watch an anime? It's like, nah, I'm just going to watch this zombie four again. <laughs> right? <laughs> the same way. <laughs> oh, my eye caught a glimpse of uh, Fulci. I guess I'll just throw in uh, Don't Torture Little Duck. Or Don't Torture yeah. Little Duckling. Just watch the same shit over and over again. It's like, yeah. I wonder if Eternal Link does still the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Directed, of course, by Yoshiki Kawajira. You can do it. I can't do it, man. I, I give my best. Dub in a robotic voice every time you have to say a, a name that's really hard. So it'll just be like directed by. Yeah, I should just. I, I, should, I, should, I, should, I should literally get Derek to just send me a clip of him pronouncing him Japanese. Saying. He's really good at pronouncing fucking Japanese names, man. I don't know how he does yeah. it. He just him has Don just fucking know how to pronounce yeah. everything. Maybe I'll maybe I'll actually get Derek to do that. I'll be like, Derek, can you just send me a clip of you saying the director's name, and I'm going to insert it into this, and then like let him talk for like 30 seconds of like yeah. interesting facts about the director. Like he actually directed, and then just like cut him off in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> like let him say the name and then like he'll be like which is interesting because he directed and they just cut him <laughs> he directed this movie which also yes. which also which also yeah. had this actor in it who was in this movie and so people are like never he, get to hear the rest of the fact and they're annoyed and here's Derek uh, with a foreword about the director and he goes into it and he just cut him off <laughs> just says his name and then you cut him off hmm <laughs> That's a really good idea. Fuck. All right, so Ninja Scroll from 1993. Synopsis. A vagabond swordsman is aided by a beautiful ninja girl and a crafty spy in confronting a demonic clan of killers. With a ghost from his past as their leader, who are bent on overthrowing, oh man, the Takugawa Shogunate. Okay. So that's where 
for all the times I've seen Ninja Scroll Man, there's so many names and so many clans and so many things I just can never remember. I know what I'm I talking about, and I know what I'm watching, but I can't remember the fucking names because I probably can't yeah, pronounce them. I'm so bad with it. I'm just like, yeah, this person, you know, he had a sword, and you know, he was There's rock guy and bomb guy and bomb woman and yeah. blind guy. <laughs> so I'm like the rock guy, <laughs> oh, poison man. chick. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so basically, the film opens up with uh, this pretty crazy scene. Actually, the this crew of swordsmen's i guess they get info that there's something going down in this uh i want to say village or town yeah there's like a pandemic going on or some yeah, virus yeah, yeah. getting spread in this village yeah so they they go there to investigate to see what's actually really going on if it's a plague or people are killing whatever so anyways they're on their way there and of course the people that are coming from there end up slaughtering all these samurais all these ninjas and stuff and yeah. Um, they all die in like horrific bloody ways. It's pretty awesome. And of course the this one gets his arms ripped off. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there was a girl with this clan. And anyway, she ends up surviving it, but she gets abducted by one of um, the bad guys. I'll just say the bad guys. There's like eight of them. They yeah. Said yeah. Eight and so, stuff Cause they'd make a joke about it. They're like, Oh, there's only eight. They're not going to stand a chance for right. us. Like, and, you literally just got killed by one. Yeah. And then he put his massive rock right inside of her. Yeah. These guys are he just licked her essentially responsible for what happened there and stuff. But anyways, they abduct this girl and there's this like ridiculous scene in the film where, you know, he abducts her. Of course, what's he going to do? He's going to fucking rape her. You know, he's a golem guy. It's just, yeah. when, it's such a crazy scene. So anyways, he's like, you know, this chick's like tits hanging out and stuff. And he starts like fucking banging her with his tongue and her pussy and shit's ridiculous. <laughs> so in steps, our protagonist, our hero here, um, he ends up saving her or kills the demon, saves her and shit like that. And uh, so that's all good and stuff and kind of goes their separate ways. And he's, I would essentially say he was kind of attacked a little bit by this, uh, I, I guess you call him this government type of spy or whatever. And he almost essentially kind of blackmails him into helping him out. So what he does is he infects him with this, uh, this incurable type. Escape from New York. Yeah, this disease where it forces him into helping him. And he tells him, he's like, well, he basically poisons him with this ninja star or whatever. And he tells him, he's like, well, if you help me, you know, do this mission, complete this mission, I will give you the antidote and you will live. And so, money. So he really has no chance. So no choice. Yeah. With this girl, he goes with this government spy who's investigating what's going on and things like that. There's more to the story. There's actually a lot of, there's a lot of narrative, a lot of plot in this movie. Anyways, so... It turns into a video game. He's got to fight off Pretty all much. these demons and, uh, you know, kind of save the day, which is kind of cool because it doesn't go straight forward because there is a whole narrative with this this eight demon clan and stuff. And then they've got an agenda of their own and things like that. And it's kind of cool, man, where it goes. Yeah, because but... they want to overthrow the government by stealing a ship full of gold coins. And they think that if they have those gold coins, they'll have enough money to overrun the government and take yeah. over the country. Yeah, they're, they're basically just fucking over the people that they were working for because essentially they were bringing this other crew all this gold for just kind of essential, like a partnership, like a, you know, just a deal with them, you know, protection and stuff like that. But they decided, hey, fuck, we can do this shit ourselves. And, you know, shit goes down in the end and stuff. It's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. But it's a lot of convoluted side storylines with characters betraying each other and the three people having to work together to stop them and, yeah. and a, a past with the main villain that the main hero has and stuff. So it all comes together pretty well. Yeah, I, I kind of like that whole idea about, you know, how this demon from his past was something somebody that he had actually worked with before and things like that i mean it kind of makes sense why it, it's kind of like, like a double-edged too it's like double-edged sword i mean essentially it's kind of funny because this government spy if he hadn't you know 
done things the way he did, you know, go ahead and poison our, our protagonist. He probably could have just talked him into it because of who he was going to be battling anyways. Right. Well, so. it all plays into like the story with the poison woman too. Sucking but out the poison. Yeah. Did you notice that? Like, I just noticed this for the first time. The main bad guy in this is just the Kurgan from Highlander. He has his head stitched together and everything, and he's immortal. <laughs> and then also the, 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 the poison, he just poisons the guy, just like Escape from New York. Right. And it has to do yeah. the mission. It's like literally a lot of these movies are like that. They're just like, this yeah. is just a bunch of movies you like, and it's this crazy. is like. This is like fucking Escape from New York meets like a Shakespeare fucking tragedy kind of thing, right? It's essentially kind of what it is, man, at the heart of it. The, the bad guys are fantastic, again. Yeah. All of them. Man, the yeah. Gross guy. The eight <laughs> demons, the eight demon crew, whatever they're called, I'm sure people that know this movie or can remember know the names should, know names. all their fucking names, which I'm not even going to bother. We're just going to say good guy, bad guy, guy with sword and girl. Um, girl who has uh, a snake come out of vagina. Yep. Yep. It happens. I saw it. Yeah, man. You can always count on shit like that in these movies, though. There's always weird tentacles. There's always shit in vaginas, and it's weird. It's definitely something that is uh, an ongoing thing, but I I dig it, man. It's scariest to me. He's horrifying. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The beginning, they do the same thing. They have the scariest guy, the one they fight first. Right? Why? (laughs) I don't know why that is, Uh, Because they got to test him. I don't know. After the first fight of both of these movies, I was like, these guys can't beat eight more of these guys or seven more of these guys. They don't stand a chance. And then they're all like weaker. Well, there's so much buildup to the end of this movie, and then the end battle in this one's not very long either. But it's pretty Yeah, but at least least there's like a shitload of people. You know, there's like a shitload of like bad guys coming at him at once well of course because it, it's like yeah. a huge demonic yeah. plan you know i mean there's lots of them so it, it makes sense but i don't know the way this dude bites it at the end is fucking fantastic it's yeah. just like that's glorious it is good it is it's good. so metaphorical too it's just so on the nose right. the sword going through his head splitting his head yeah. well just the the gold and the, oh, the, the gold the yeah, melting yeah. gold and everything and melting for your greed yeah. and all that shit and yeah i was just surprised like how adult this one was like it's pretty, it's pretty adult oriented. Well, dude, it's bloody, like, it's, it's violent, awesome it's bloody, it's got tits, it's got duty. rape. Yeah, it's yeah, got everything. Got a lot of man. plot. Yeah, which makes a lot more sense for an adult because imagine being like a ten year old kid watching this, you'd be like, "What the fuck is going on?" I think but, your, if your parents walked in, they would have turned it off pretty quick. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I mean, there's no way that ten year old kid is keeping track of the characters. Shit, man, we're old and we still can't even do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I know all the characters. I just can't tell you their names. That's what I'm saying. I meant keep track of the actual just, names. I couldn't. I mean, if I would have seen this five or six times, yeah, but this is the first time I've seen it. I've seen this movie a few times, but it's been so far in between watches, right? That, you know, every time yeah. I watch it, it's, it feels like it's a, um, it's like a first time watch. Actually, I, I watched this movie not too long ago. So I was a little better with it and stuff with the names, but shit, 20 minutes after watching, I'm like, what was that character's name again? Fuck it. I don't care. doesn't matter. Asian guy. Yeah, Asian guy, guy with sword, fucking demon guy. I'm rock telling guy. you, they're all they're all just like Mega Man villains. That's Rock Man and uh, Bomb Girl. I love them. It's so true. <laughs> Blind Man, Ice Man, fuck, it's so funny. <laughs> Light Man. Oh man. Um. Yeah, we've come to the conclusion that reviewing animes is actually quite hard. Yeah. Because it's like how much like, like 
and like how much hidden message themes are there in this on any of these it's like there's not they're pretty all straightforward with you know you just watch them and you shut your brain off and i bet you there's some themes about japanese culture and yeah. other bullshit but i don't know any of that crap so well, i'm sure there's the interesting thing with the poison and the woman giving herself up and all that kind of stuff is really weird and it also probably is very dated you know mm-hmm. she was like let us fuck that's yeah, I, I it just is like a tragedy. You said Shakespeare too. Well, yeah. that's that's how I perceived it, right? With him, you know, being forced to kind of do this thing, and then what it comes down to to get the antidote and stuff, and you know, her possibly dying. You know, it just it just comes off as kind of a Shakespeare tragedy to me a little bit. I don't know if that's what they were going for, but I've just studied enough Shakespeare in my life that it's just the first thing I thought of. So I wasn't trying to dig too deep into you know what uh, the commentaries and what certain things were going on here because let's face it, we're watching an anime. I'm here for the fucking the blood, and apparently yeah, the, the I mean they are, they are deep. Like I mean, there's points in this when I actually do get like kind of sad. Oh, for sure. No, like, this one definitely. Like, has. I'm emotionally impacted. I'm invested the entire time too. Yeah. I've watched a lot of movies that aren't animated where I'm like, I don't give a fuck about this. Like, oh, I just, like I said, porno. I was like, I, I don't give a fuck about yeah. anything happening here. And then all these, I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Well, yeah. I mean, if you. If you take a look at, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff in Demon City Shinjuku also. I mean, who knows? It could be a yeah. reflection of, you know, what the Japanese went through with Hiroshima and things like that. Who knows? It could be yeah. things like that. We just, I don't really know exactly what he's going for yeah, there. I'm but there's suited enough in it. To yeah, do right. It. There is definitely, there's contrast to what we know in reality that could be representative of what we're yeah, seeing yeah. there for sure. I mean, the first thing I think of is, is Hiroshima every time I think of, you know, when I see that city in shambles and stuff like that. And, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, Ninja Scroll Man is uh, phenomenal to me, man. I, I really love this movie. I think it's got so much great narrative to it. It's got a lot of great characters, a lot of great fights. It, it does. It's one of those movies that you do get invested in your lead because you know it's that whole, you know, it's that whole tragic type narrative to it, right? And it's interesting where it goes and shit and how it goes down and stuff. And um, yeah. I just think it's great, man. It, it, the animation is really good. Again, I mean. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I like older animation. I'm a big fan of older animation. I always have said that. Me too, me too. This stuff just kind of does it for me. But it's very atmospheric. It's got a lot of great, uh, like, horrific type scenes. It's very dark. and But, you know, if you're going into this just thinking it's going to be straightforward and stuff, you got to sit there and pay attention because there's a lot of... Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of moving of, parts. A lot of moving parts in this. It, it's actually quite, like Jeremy said, very adult. It is very, very adult-orientated. It's definitely not for kids. It does have rape. It has tits. It has just a whole pile of nastiness in this one. But it, it has everything that I really, really enjoy. Um, I've said it before. This is definitely my favorite anime that I've seen so far. Uh, for me, it's a 10 out of 10. So I love Ninja Scroll. 10 out of 10. I love it. It's great. I'm at an eight and a half. I'm at the same as Jeremy. I'm somewhere around there. Also, I like like I said, the bad guys are all great. They're all highly memorable in this one. Yeah. Even like the right hand man with the electric stuff, he's great too. I think this one goes up for me every time. I mean, I can't really go up any further than ten right now, but it's the one I've seen the most and the one I kind of resonate to and uh, the most. I just yeah, it's just a great one. It really was. Misses the Hall of Fame by a point. Oh, really? If I watched it again, it would go up. Sure. I think I've reviewed like this. City. I'm pretty sure I reviewed this on the show before. Maybe I did it on what we watched. I, I can't remember if someone gave it to me or not. I'm assuming they did. Oh, maybe I was supposed to review. I don't remember the whole story with it, but but uh, anyways, that is uh, Ninja Scroll from 1993. In the dark world of tomorrow. 
when vampires rule the night. From the darkest depths of hell, the ultimate form of evil awakens. Moving into 2000 with the sequel of a film that we have actually uh, reviewed before. I think this was on the first anime one, which was Vampire Hunter D. So this is from 2000, yeah. Vampire Hunter D, Bloodlust. Uh, it's a sequel in name, really only. It doesn't have anything to do with the first one. Well, his main character is the same. Well. He's got the parasite still and everything. Yeah. I've seen this one before, No, no, no. I mean, well, of course, Vampire Hunter D is, that's, and then, yeah. I'm just yeah. saying it doesn't have anything to do with the first one, yeah. narrative-wise. It does, of course, have the same character, which wouldn't make any sense if it didn't, because it's Vampire Hunter D. <laughs> so anyways uh quick synopsis when a girl is abducted by a vampire a legendary bounty hunter is hired to bring her back Ooh, that sounds that sounds uh complicated For 20 million dollars it sounds complicated well yeah so this movie you know it takes place like a thousand it's supposed to take place like a thousand years in the future kind of thing from when whenever your present is it doesn't matter it's very much kind of like the first one in uh kind of setting it feels like it is a western totally yeah. feels like western time medieval so it, western weird mixture thing yeah medieval western with like magic and you know like he-man or something yeah vampires and just creatures and demons it's, it's got kind of everything in there but it's it, but it has humans though too yep. so so vampire hunter d is he's basically a cross between a uh you know he's a human slash half vampire um and he's uh he's a he's a hunter he hunts vampires and stuff because you know he doesn't resonate towards the vampire type thing if you're familiar with the first one you know exactly what d is uh in this one yes a girl is abducted in the beginning of the film he is um approached by is he approached the, by the, the is he approached brother, by, is it the brother, the brother that comes to him father yeah pirate. yeah i think it's the brother that hires him first but then he wants more Takes money so the, the dad no i think it, i think yeah. it was was it the okay i know the brother hired on the other crew yeah, about broken hunters. arm that's right so yeah whatever the father brother they offer him up like 10 million dollars and of course they had gone to this other group of bounty hunters too also so they became become competition i kind of like that idea you know where they become they're, they're competitive with each other, but at the same time, they're kind of forced to work with each other, defend against what's, you know, all the demons and shit. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. Um, but at the heart of this, you know, it's essentially a love story. You know, this, this girl well, is it's like kid, a double love story. <laughs> it, it kind of is, man. It, it's kind of cool. I mean, there is some pretty interesting twists and turns, which I don't want to give away if you've never seen this movie, but, yeah. but anyways, we'll just leave it at that thoughts on the movie. It's good. I like it. This was I liked a it too. second time watch. I saw this when I was in uh, like high school. My friends actually really liked it, which is kind of weird because they weren't really into anime. They just had this one. So we watched it a bunch. Always enjoyed it. I like the monsters and the part where they go in that like underground kind of haven, like the Nightbreed Haven or like, um, you know, Midian you mean, or whatever you, you mean call like it. The, the town that they go in? The Midian, where the monsters are hidden, and oh, like, yeah, yeah. and they, they're hiding out there. That's really awesome to see all the different monsters and the little characters, and mm-hmm. I, I, I just enjoy it. I think the stuff at the end with the castle is pretty cool too. It's like very grand, and yeah, and it was cool to see Carmilla as the villain. You know, she yeah. was around in the first novelization of a vampire or something. I don't know, vampire or Carmilla or Dracula. They all I, I like what Carmilla turns out to be in this. I, I kind of like that yeah. twist in the plot and shit. That's actually really cool. 
But yeah. she's actually not her physical form yet. She's trying to revive it. Yeah. She's still that powerful. She's yeah. actually a ghost. And, you know, that's yeah. kind of the whole point is, you know, brings in this girl and she's trying to use her to kind of resurrect her body and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. there's a nice little twist there. But yeah. uh, the bad guys, again, are real cool. The uh, the snake, like chameleon lady and the shadow yeah. guy and the, the werewolf man. They're all cool. Yeah, I, I like the, I like the other set of bounty hunters, too. I thought they were. They're probably the most likable characters out of all three of these movies. I don't know. I just, I just well, like the I, didn't, I didn't like any of them. It, it's kind really? of, it's kind, suckers. Well, two yeah. of them, two of them are like strictly brothers, and they're kind of straightforward yeah. and stuff. And then they got the girl who's she's got a fucking chip on her shoulder because you know vampire. Her backstory is that vampires killed yeah. her family, and now her she's just yeah. destined to go and hunt, and she doesn't give a fuck about anything or anybody. She just wants to kill vampires. But then I you got this cool re- characters. I just don't think they're good people. I just, I just think, uh, I mean, really, but you're a bounty hunter though. I mean, can you, are you supposed spirit, to be a good person? I, I think the spirit uh, guy. Not are really, good. no. No, because you're. I think, ten- this, I think the spirit person's a good person. I think he's in love with the woman. Doesn't mean he's not a good person. Eh, I don't know. In love with what the other bounty hunter part of his crew? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. What like what is the story with him anyways? Why is he like he's a psychic kind of thing, but he can project himself and like what? I actually, think it, astral plane it drains his body though and it's hard on his body so he's just always kind of drained right he's yeah, kind of he's so. kind of got to sit there until he revives himself and then when he uses he's just back to like that state again okay i was i was kind of like holy shit man this guy's already incapacitated i'm like what the fuck happened to him but <laughs> he's like, gene gray from the x-men show right because he was just like always like that and then she passes out yeah <laughs> that's funny um uh, they never really like explain his backstory that much no, they, I like the characters. I just don't like them. Like I like watching them, but they're like, I don't think they're likable. <laughs> they're enjoyable to watch though. Yeah. I never really thought about it. I, I, the only one I, I didn't mind the two guys. The, the psychic dude was, it was what it was. I mean, he was just incapacitated the whole time. It's kind of like hard to either like him or dislike him, but the girl, like she's, she was just a straight up bitch, man. <laughs> she's just straight up chip on her shoulder. Like her the interactions with D. Looking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's definitely the coolest man. I just thought the main guy was kind of an idiot. <laughs> the one with the sideburns. Yeah, I think that he's kind of supposed to be, but Yeah, he's a dumb dumb. Yeah, for sure. Um Yeah, it's kind of interesting too because there's one thing in this film, there's like zombies in it too. At the beginning of the film when D first uh comes across this, you know, this these click of uh bounty hunters and stuff. Like these guys are like basically yeah. teeing off on zombies and shit i thought that was kind of interesting but they they, like they brain don't really, dead vampires yeah like brain dead vampires that are like zombies and shit is very strange but they look like zombies they're green yeah. and shit so i thought that was kind of cool but they, of course they don't really go into that anymore because it's not really the focal point of the film and stuff but i thought that was kind of an interesting add-in just to have that in there it's kind of set in this kind of strange world where you even have zombies and shit which is interesting again because there is straight up humans in there too but so I actually, one of my favorite scenes in this film is when D goes to buy the horse from yeah, uh, my, that's my favorite scene too. That's yeah. a great scene actually. Yeah. 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 It's probably my favorite scene in the film. And then this old man where he's buying it from basically tells the story after these, you know, these assholes come in and say that D can't buy the fucking horse. And he tells them the story and shit. It's fucking great, man. Really, really yeah. good. They would all got killed anyways. He's lucky that old man did that. They're lucky. Exactly. They exactly. got wasted. Yeah. Yeah, but there's lots of really good scenes in this film, and I like the scene on the bridge. I thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, the whole kind of twist in this film I thought was really cool too. Because the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, man, dude, like this chick obviously 
wants to be there and she did like that's kind of yeah. one of the weird things in this film where she was abducted but you know she wanted to be with this vampire and stuff like that so you know they they learn that very quickly i guess kind of that she is not willing to go and be rescued she wants to go so that's kind of an interesting twist but the thing with carmel i thought was actually would save this one big time for me i thought that was really great to have in there so the ending's nice too. Reminds me of a uh, spaghetti western with Clint Eastwood coming back at the funeral. Actually, reminds me of the end of True Grit, the original, mm-hmm. or probably mm-hmm. both of them actually with uh, coming back to the funeral. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that was a little touch, and he's he just did it because he promised, not because he wanted anything from it. Yeah. Did you guys? I felt like they were kind of playing up like you know the vampire that you know actually abducted her. Like they were kind of playing him as like a straight up sympathetic type vampire and shit, and like oh, yeah. almost too much. I was just like, dude, like this guy's straight villain. He's a vampire, like, and they're playing him hardcore as a sympathetic character. And I'm like, this is mm. me. I get a little bit up in arms about shit like that, but I mean, it didn't kill it for me. Again, the whole twist and turns in the end of the film really kind of heightened it for me. I thought it was great, but. Again, they kill the toughest bad guy first. <laughs> I would the say shadow so. guy was tough as fuck. He killed a couple. He killed a, one of them. Right? Yeah, he killed the big guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. He killed the biggest one. <laughs> I mean, that's what you go for. You got to only yeah. kill one. Take out the, you know. Dude, I love the fact that these guys are traveling by, like, horse and buggy. It's a weird world, you know what I mean? They have bombs that go off with their horse and buggy. Like I said, it's like a master universe ex- or something like that. It yeah, is, because they have cars too. Yeah, so it is. It is a weird thing, but like you know, with vampires and like set in this world and shit, you, you think they would have certain powers where they wouldn't have to travel as slow as with horse and buggies. Well, he can't get out of the uh, the thing. He can't fly because yeah. it's night. You know, I mean, it's during the day, so he's got to travel oh, somehow. Oh no, no, of course. But you think that they could, you know, come up with an idea where they have like maybe flying cascus or something? <laughs> you, you think like he would just get in the water and swim under the water the whole time or something? I don't fucking know what he's gonna do. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's actually really like I was going back to the bridge scene where he gets out of there and he's fucking just getting burnt up and shit, and that that seems crazy, man. That's kind of cool. I thought it was a little lackluster what happened to the wolf guy. Like they show that thing and then it just cuts to him and you're like, oh, I, I see what you're I, saying. Yeah, there should have been something there, maybe a little bit more. But and also, but I mean, and then I think the movie runs a little bit long. After we watched the first two, they're like eighty minutes. This one's a little too long, I yeah, think. It compared, was, it was something like, I was going to say too because there is moments in this movie where it does kind of drag. Like there's really nothing happening for long bits and you know, and I'm just like, dude. And then I look at the running time. I'm like, holy shit, it's over 100 minutes. Crazy. So, yeah, makes like more sense. Like the scene where she buries some in the dirt. And, like, I guess it's just, I guess it's some kind of character development because it shows that she has some sort of moral feelings. But shit like that, you probably could have cut out, to be honest. I don't know. It kind of leads into the end of the film, too, where, where D, it's like years, years later, and he runs into her granddaughter and shit like I that. I guess so. You know, it kind of makes, I actually really kind of like the end of the movie. It kind of puts a, Nice little setup yeah, on it. Yeah. It's a little touching. Yeah. Which I kind of wasn't expecting. I mean, they really didn't have to do that, but it was a nice little touch. So, um, but you know, comparatively vampire hunter D versus this one. I do like the first one a lot better than this one. Me too. Me too. Me too. 
Yeah. It's not as violent as the first one, and it's not as. I don't think it has as cool of atmosphere as the first one does. But. Yeah, there's a lot of better things about the first one. And you know, and, and you know me. I mean, I'm just the whole love stories and things aren't really my thing. You know, this one comes off a little bit too touching and stuff. But you know, to say that I don't hate it either at all. It's still no. it's very entertaining. There's a lot of cool stuff in there, and and honestly, again, you know, these animes they all seem to be kind of hits for me. So, but comparatively, I do like the first one better. So. Yeah, the pace is much better in the first one. Way the better. Action, it just it never stops once it starts. Way, way better constructed for sure, for sure. But I would say, you know, the the, the narrative in this one's probably a little bit more, you know, complex and better, I would say. Yeah. In the first one, but yeah. As for visuals and action and stuff, yeah, first one all day, but um, do you guys have anything else on it? Mm, not really. I think it is kind of like hokey like when the lightning strikes the, the knife i was like what is there any particular reason why it's i know it's the highest metal point but is that what they were going for really yeah is that this one yeah that's this one yeah, yeah it is yeah. this one yeah. yeah yeah but i mean i can't complain about that when a world it's fucking anime yeah but it still kind of struck me where i was like what what happened there why did it explode <laughs> yeah right all right, well, uh, Jeremy, ratings? Uh, eight out of ten. Dave? Eh, how was it? Seven and a half or eight, somewhere around there. I'll just go eight. All right, I'm in at seven. So I knew I'd probably be the lowest on this one. It's good, but not my favorite. They're all yeah, good. The first one I got it at a nine. First oh, one I got it at a nine. So. I'm not complaining about any of these. These, these are, you know, no. to watch these all back to back kind of thing is is great. Well, I didn't. I watched Demon City and then Ninja Scroll one night, and then I watched Vampire. D- I always watch my movies in order of reviewing them. So I watch Vampire Hunter yeah. D, and then I watch Reflecting I Skin. I think uh, I got these all four of these movies done in two days. They're very easy. Actually, technically, I mean, I watch Reflecting Skin last, but even though we're reviewing it first, but it's just kind of I do the main reviews first. I always do the bonus one last, but. I'm weird like that. Um, but yeah, so that is shortest been, episode ever. <laughs> it's been pretty short, hasn't it? Still three hour and 18 minute phone call. Yeah, it's still over three hours. Um, but yeah, that's going to conclude episode 190, the Yoshigai Kirijira. <laughs> Just put in Derek. <laughs> I'm going to totally time. splice in Derek right there. Oh, yeah, man. but like, it's like. <laughs> awesome awesome uh yeah it was a fun episode man i'm glad that we got to talk about the reflecting skin good stuff um getting into these you know these uh these anime films as long as they keep coming in good you know keep checking them out i guess i have no choice really to keep coming in right yeah but um yeah so that's gonna do it for this episode you guys have any last words before jeremy does the outro Mm, no I guess we already said what's coming up next week and stuff so we don't have to say that so we might as well just get into the intro or the outro the intro fuck we'll be doing the show intro if JP was here we'd still be doing the intro so (laughs) we'd be on on news still he'd be like I really wonder if Matthew Lillard came back to the Scream franchise and all of a sudden (laughs) we don't give a fuck about Scream (laughs) <laughs> More scream news. <laughs> hey, like, mm, interesting. 
Oh, uh, could you imagine breaking, breaking news? news, guys? We just got more scream news for the eighth time. <laughs> <laughs> Nev Campbell ordered a piece of cheesecake on the set of Scream Four, and she said she'd like another one on the set of Scream Five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? I think the chick that uh, that was leading in um, the movie I just watched, The Beach House, is actually in the new Scream movie, which is odd. I think I was just looking breaking at Breaking news. That's breaking fucking news right there, man. So, <laughs> she's fucking cute, though. She's really cute. But anyways, Jeremy. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 190 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast. So if you want to follow the man Moods himself, you can do so at moods.com slash. Ooh, wow, I just did it backwards. YouTube.com slash moods616. Follow me on my channel, youtube.com slash too. Follow Dave over on his channel, youtube.com slash Mr. Paca. Can leave us a voicemail at 724-426-6665. Leave us a question at 22shotsmoodsandhorror at gmail.com, twitter.com slash 22shotspodcast, facebook.com. Search bar 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast. There is a poll going up pretty soon for this year's Halloween listener's choice. So if you guys want to vote on what movies we watch this year for the a Halloween hour. show, midnight hour. head over to Facebook.com. And, and something that. wicked this way comes. Ah, we go for some Casper. Man, I love three Casper. All, all three of those would be good. That'd be yeah. easy. I actually really like Casper, man. I even have the Blu-ray of that shit. It's hilarious. And as always, please support the Patreon to get the sand sucked out of my vagina. Patreon.com slash 22 Shots Podcast. And that should do it, everybody, for episode 190 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast. We'll be back next week with episode number 191, where we'll be digging into King Kong 1933, first King Kong 2005, with some feature reviews of a gay movie called Poison and Onababa. So that should do it. Bye. Deuces. Bye. Time for a few fart jokes. <laughs> Man's got to know his limitations. Well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. <laughs> <laughs>